What? Johnny Tyler! The mad cat. Doc? Where are you going with that shotgun? I didn't know you was back in town. Well, well. How the hell are you? Quiet, I am rolling. Morgan. Doc. Virgil. Who's Doc? Quiet, Earp. Going into business for ourselves, Doc. Well, I just got us a Pharaoh game. Oh. Since when is Pharaoh a business? Don't you always say that gambling's an honest trade? No, I said poker's an honest trade. Only suckers buck the tiger, the odds are all on the house. Depends on how you look at it. I mean, it's not like anybody's putting a gun to their head now, is it? <laughs> That's what I love about Wyatt. He can talk himself into anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Johnny, I apologize. I forgot you were there. You may go now. Just leave that shotgun. Thank you. Sheriff Behan. Gentlemen. Sheriff. Have you met Doc Holliday? Oh, you are. <laughs> We're back on the same side of the equation, Sarah Dillon. All right. Why, hello there. It is 7 minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11, and this is the month of February in the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along, making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, The Talker. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into whimsy and the irritation of others. Thank you for coming along. I'm like, I'm shaking. I feel bad. Don't feel bad. I don't, I guess I don't feel bad because we didn't do anything wrong. We didn't lie. We didn't exaggerate. We just put a little music bed behind something and all of a sudden people's feelings are hurt. Yeah, well, it's because something... Wait, hold on a second. No, see, now I wish you, I wish I'd known you were going to say that because then I would have had this prepared as we begin today's program. No. Hold on a second. Wait, let me just, uh, all right, hold on, let me just... Rick Emerson is thinking, nerve strike. We'll, uh, we'll resume it later. Why, hello, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. If you'd like to join us today, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. It's just too easy sometimes. 503-733-2970. If you would like to join us today with your comments, questions, clarifications, kvetches, ruminations, ponderings, amusements, whatever it is you might have today. Complaints. Complaints, issues, peeves, annoyances, irritations, minor abrasions of the soul. Anyway, it's 503-733-2970. It's good to be on the same team again. 
Uh, it really is. Richie Bristol is standing by, ready, willing, and able, and wearing a headband with his own name on it. Uh, to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, or what Mr. Malvert would call the absurd. It's uh, 503-733-2970. Uh, you can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com, uh, Sarah at 970.am, or Richie with a T at 970.am. Thank you for coming along. It is uh, Tuesday, and welcome to Day 12. Thank you for uh, joining us today. All right, here's what's coming up in today's program. We'll talk to senior radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Uh, she will be joining us from the Hill today. We'll also talk to senior radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, who's talking about... I think Steve's actually talking about two things... Uh, there's two different about things. The roids, I think. Well, you saw, yes, it, it's, uh, what's his name? It's, uh, uh, it's a, uh, Alex Rodriguez uh, and steroids. But then he's talking about, wait for it. I swear to God, we got like three of these today. I'm just going to read this, just this first sentence. A woman has been hospitalized with life-threatening injuries after a pet chimpanzee. Attacked her at a friend's home in Stamford, Connecticut. Oh, see, I almost pulled that story, but I didn't because it ends so terribly. Yes, yes, it does. <laughs> yeah. She then called... I'm just going to skip ahead to this money line. She then called 911 before stabbing the chimp with a butcher knife and hitting him repeatedly with a shovel. <laughs> I'm not laughing at chimp death. I'm laughing at how... Here's the thing about that. You would think that... I don't know, like... Five or ten thousand of these stories in the news would be sufficient to convince you that maybe you shouldn't own it and stick a party hat on it and try to make it everybody's pal, huh? Huh? What do you think about that? What do you think about not raising it like it's your child? No, 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 he'll think it's hilarious. Let's jam some cake into his mouth like in a wedding photo. Wait, he's tearing off my genitals. All right, there you go. So we'll talk to uh, the Steve Caster about it. Is that the same chimp attack that I pulled? And then you, do you have the one no, about the... the feces one. The feces throwing chimp who's on no, the loose? No, no, see, that's the one. I'm like, okay, that one's at least happy. Okay, here's a whole, and here's a whole other one. Listen to this one. This is the, 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 the third one today. Here's how this story, do you like stories that start with, it's, it, they don't actually start with the, the lead, you know, the sort of uh, fact-based slug. They lead with the slice of life part of it. They lead with the personal anecdote side. This is how this story starts. His friend's hand was a mangled mess. Most of it was gone. And now the chimpanzee that had attacked them on an isolated mountain road was running after them again. There you go. So that's not one, not two. Three different uh, uh, chimpanzee stories They're today. turning on us. They really are. So we've got a uh, triple monkey watch coming up today. So we'll get to that. And, and Steve Kassimov's talking about parting. So that's fantastic. Anywho, uh, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins joining us today. Steve Kastenbaum joining us today. It's really a fantastic show because we've got Mike Nelson, formerly of Mystery Science Theater 3000, now of RiffTracks.com. We'll be talking to him today because he is, I believe it is called the Bacon Stupidity Challenge, but I could be wrong about that. I'll have to go back to his blog and see if that's actually what he's calling it. But Mike Nelson, who of course was uh, the head writer and then later the host of Mystery Science Theater after Joel left, uh, he now uh, heads and works at RiffTracks.com, which is basically like Mystery Science Theater uh, 3000, where it's downloadable commentaries for you know for contemporary films and so forth. Uh, he's doing this whole thing where he's eating nothing but bacon for the entire month of February. Nothing else. I don't believe he's any. Do I don't think he's doing any additional food. I don't think he's doing any like, vitamins, any supplements, any sort of you know like nutritional the packets or you know injections or whatever it is you do. He like whatever Richie eats. He's not doing any of that. He's not like RoboCop eating like a rudimentary paste that's extruded out of a thing. I think it's just bacon and nothing but bacon for the month of February. So we'll talk to Mike Nelson about that today. 
Uh, held over from yesterday, we will talk to Ricardo Torres from GameSpot magazine. Uh, we will speak with him today about the evolution of the first-person shooter video game, uh, it's sort of climaxing in his recent favorites like Left for Dead, ladies and gentlemen. So that's coming up today. Our good friend Don Taylor will be in the studio. Don Taylor from Film.com joining us, and I won't. I, I'm not even going to tease this because I'll just say this. So Don Taylor has this email that she was uh, that she received yesterday that she's going to bring in. She was sort of uncertain as to whether it was right to bring it in. Which, by the way, should it's always right. That's exactly it, which indicates that, of course, that's how you know. Anytime the little voice goes, I don't know if I should, that's how you know. Um, So she's going to bring that in today. So, Don, I won't even say any more about it, but Don Taylor has an interesting email she's going to bring in. Let's see. There you go. Um, Let's see. Well, before we do anything else, I will also say this. we got lots of giveaways happening this week, too. I mean, it really is. Today we will announce the AM970 listener bailout winner for this week. Of course, each and every, we do it typically Monday, but yesterday was holiday. Um... Each and every Monday, we're going to be giving something bright and shiny to an involuntarily unemployed member of the audience. And that is until this uh, recession, depression, halation, memeption thing is over. So we will announce that later on uh, in this hour. The AM970 listener bailout winner for this week will be announced. You'll win a TurboTax web card. Includes a prepaid access code. Can be used for one free federal and state preparation and e-file. TurboTax makes it easy to get your maximum refund. Learn more at TurboTax.com. So we'll do that. And then... Finally, last but not least, uh, every day this week, I think actually twice on Friday, we're going to be giving away a pair of tickets to Oscar Night America 2009, which is coming up this Sunday at the Hollywood Theater. Uh, it is the only officially sanctioned screening in Oregon, sanctioned by the Academy of Motion, Arch- uh, Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. So that's, it's going to be uh, Sarah Dillon, Tim Riley, myself, Richie Bristol is going to be there as Rochelle Crystal, along with Darcel on the red carpet. Uh, let's see, uh, Jay Malone, Rod Hill from K2 are going to be there. Um, it's going to be pretty. Uh, it's going to be pretty swanky, if I do say so myself. And seriously, tickets. Rod are like, Hill from is he the weatherman? Uh, sure. Why do you ask me questions? You know, I don't know the answer. I don't know because I think I remember a Rod, and I thought he was a weatherman. I got nothing. But it's but it's a cool event. It's happening at the Hollywood Theater, and they're going to be you know guests of plenty and so forth. And yeah, and it's like fifty bucks a throw. So I mean, if you can go, you really ought to because it's a benefit for Film Action Oregon and the Hollywood Theater's you know a great a great group of folks. But we're going to be giving away a pair of those every day this week. So be listening for that. Good God Almighty, that's a lot of show. Plus, th- this is the other thing. I can't. I. Uh, I almost don't even want to. I almost don't even want to mention this. I almost just want to spring this on people. We have to find some Barack Obama news today, because courtesy of Chris Paddock, I have now our Obama Watch theme. Oh. I have the open. I have the close. It's put together. It's done. I will find a story. For really? A second. Of course. It is so great because you know for the longest time, I just sort of assumed. Let's see where the hell did I put it? For the longest time, I assumed that we were going to be using the Obama jingles. The uh, where the hell did they go? I, I thought that we were going to be using. Uh, these. MS Productions. If there is anyone out there. That, you know, the uh, those things right there, the Obama, Obama. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, uh, I'm totally off that now. Like, this morning, here's how I knew it was going to be gold. I walked in this morning and I had not one, not two. I had, in fact, three separate emails from Chris Paddock saying, you've got to come to my office when you get in. I've got your Obama watch theme. It was sort of like, what's his name, Fevereau leaving the answering machine uh, message in, in uh, Swingers. It's like Paddock, about every 12 minutes, he would send an email to me. He's like, are you here yet? Seriously, come to my office. I got the best thing you've ever heard. And seriously, it was the best thing that I'd ever heard. Seriously. So we will uh, roll that out later on today. The inaugural edition, so to speak, 
of our brand new Obama watch. I'm so happy with it. It's the, it's, it's just off the charts fantastic. I want to oversell it, but you're going to like it. So we'll do that later on. The inaugural edition of the Rick Emerson Show's Obama watch. All right. And then finally, somebody has just handed me this. Is this the same uh, chimpanzee attack that you have? Is this the one in Connecticut? It's the one where the, the chimp was like a child. Is the it, woman, she had a seven with a butcher knife. The one that you just... <laughs> is it the one where the chimp, though, had been an actor in Old Navy commercials? I got one here. I don't was think it, so. I it got was a, also the chimp that had broken free, like, in 2003 and wreaked havoc on a Pennsylvania town. Really? <laughs> yeah. I couldn't print it, though. The monkey dies. I got it right <laughs> here. Really sad. This, this, this right here. A 200-pound chimpanzee who once starred in commercials for Old Navy was shot dead by police. After a violent rampage that left a friend of its owner badly mauled. Ah, it's fantastic. All right. I mean, look, I'm sad that the chimp is dead, but here's the thing. You know the chimp wanted to go out that way. You know the chimp is like, I will rise up against the human oppressor. I will go down in a blaze of glory and all will know my name. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> We're joined today, as always, by the lovely, talented Sarah X. Dillon. Hello, how are you? Sarah is feeling... Guilty. No, don't feel guilty. <laughs> I don't feel guilty. I felt bad. I felt the You Facebook... have to explain why why I, I, you're doing this. I was just going to. I felt bad because I thought this Facebook poetry thing is one of the most genius ideas I've ever had. It really is. I still do believe it is. But people are getting upset about it. Specifically one person and I won't I won't allude to who they are, but you know, I you know, if if you're my friend on Facebook, you have to understand and if you you know that I work on a radio show and you've heard about our Facebook poetry and you have to know that you know, that I'm gonna print the status updates and you're going and Rick is going to read them. And by the way, oh speaking with don't let me forget we have to do the Facebook synchronization. I don't have the sound effect for that yet. I got the other thing. I got this one put together. Thank God. Because we'll need to do that repeatedly today. Uh but I so we got to do the Facebook synchronization, then we'll talk to Richie, then we'll uh, talk about bowling last night, and then uh, whatever, and then we'll take a break, we'll come back, we'll talk to Lisa, and the hey, hey, and the whatnot, and then again. So all of that is coming up. Here's my thing about the Facebook uh, status poetry. Just uh, confidential from Rick Emerson to, you know, everybody. You know, when you put something on uh, the Internet that can actually be viewed by the entire world, you cede your right to bitch about it when someone reads it. I mean, honestly... What the hell is that? There was somebody who works upstairs, and actually, I don't think it was Susan even. Somebody who works upstairs who, like, their daughter had posted some MySpace blog. And it was, you know, it wasn't anything that bad. But it was, you know, it was like some stuff that probably the mom wasn't all that crazy about. And the mom was like, I can't believe that you blah, 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 whatever the kid had wrote about them. I can't believe you went to that guy's party and you did this. And the daughter went all ape as they do. You know, but I can't, you, you violated my privacy. And the mom just said, you know... It's on the Internet where everybody can read it, so pick one or the other. You know what I mean? Like, you can either post something online on a publicly viewable profile, or you can complain. You cannot do both. Exactly. Like, I don't, you know, I, I think it's interesting to read what other people are doing. I don't do it. I mean, I don't, I'll, like, you know, do it to promote a show or something, or if I'm excited about something, but I don't, you know, tell people every time I eat a cookie or something. So, anyway, so those who wonder what we're talking about, so we're going to uh, continue to do the Facebook uh, status. We, now, see, now we have to. No, we have to. Like, the bit might have just been phased out. Now it has to continue. Oh, there's no phasing of this bit. It's genius. So there was apparently somebody who was snarking uh, today that we were reading their Facebook. There's some unpleasantness. Yeah. Well, that's you know, that's unpleasantness on their side of the table. I could give an F. I could give less than a rip. Look, it's truth be told, it's not, yeah, it's not specific about 
anybody. So, I mean, if you, if you just so happen to do your status, regardless of who you are, it doesn't matter. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah, so thanks for coming to our bowling league last night. You know what? It's the least I could do. Because, you know, you and I were talking about how I just... Like, for, here, me leaving the house last night uh, and going uh, to see you guys bowl for a bit, because uh, it was like the media bowling uh, thing, that was sort of like we talked about me bicycling and you bicycling. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just such a pussy when it comes to the weather. Like, my thing with bicycling, which I think you would ask me yesterday or Friday or something, it's like, when are you going to start biking again? And it's just, if it's cold outside, it is so difficult for me to get on the bike, even knowing that once I get on the bike and once I start pedaling, it's going to feel better. You know what I mean? Like, once you get on it and you're rolling, then you all you feel good about yourself. You got the, whatever, the, 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 the endorphins or whatever it is, and it's like your synapses are popping. You're like, yeah, this is great. You get to the Hawthorne Bridge or whatever, and you're like, I'm mm. fantastic. I am alive. Um, but... That's great. It's just the walking out the front door and going, Oh, God, it's cold. God, that car right over there. Oh, yeah, that car has leather seats and seat warmers. Ooh, wouldn't your ass feel great right now if it was on some seat warmers? (laughs) Yeah, but that's... Well, I suppose that's true. I guess my ass gets bigger and really... uh, I need to do less to heat it. So, anyway, it's just so difficult for me to get on the bike and get rolling. Same thing uh, with, like, me leaving the house to do, you know, anything. So, last night... I went home because Lars working um, overnights right now, and so I, I went home and and uh, you know I do the thing she gets up at like six o'clock and then she goes to work at seven, and so I go home and I you know I kind of make coffee and kind of get the house ready and then she gets up and whatever, and then once she left, then I was like okay, all right Emerson, we're gonna go do something social for like ninety minutes. Let's you did such a go. good job. You were there longer than I thought you'd be. So I went to the bowling alley and did you were you victorious, Richie Bristol? Yes, we sure were. Three I, and one. I think we moved to. First place, I think. Fantastic. Are we in first place? I think we are tied, but we outscored the other teams. So because you were bowling right next to the Clear Channel people, isn't that right? Yeah. Okay, you're doing that thing again where you're forgetting how microphone works. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, there you go. Hello. Hi. I'm still tired. Okay. So, and by the way, we should just say for those who are playing the Sarah Dillon, uh, Rick Emerson home game. So after uh, yesterday's whole interesting first hour and a half, Sarah made the observation rather bleakly. She's like, you know, I'm going to have to bowl next to my ex-boyfriend tonight. And then I go to the bowling alley. Bam! Standing in the lane right next to Sarah, ex-boyfriend. Watching her there go. I mean, you called, was, you made it happen. I know I did. Well, I thought that we'd be playing each other. Yeah. And that was fine. It's always, you know, awkward, like, the first hour, and then... <sighs> what can you do? What can you do, Sarah? You know, I, I'm the one who chose to make the decision to date somebody that I'm in a media bowling league with. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. like, I, I knew if things would go horribly awry, I knew that I already wanted to, you know, do the league again next year, so... That's the, uh, that's the risk you run, I suppose. So... Yeah. All right, and then uh, Richie was, and first of all, I mean, I'm glad to see that you're that you have gone from being a sort of aggro, angry bowler to being kind of the team cheerleader, Richie, because Richie was sort of running around. Because there was this whole issue a couple weeks ago. See, this is what I mean, where everybody's kind of going a little wacky. I think we're all taking our turn at going nuts about something, which means it's going to be your turn, by the way, at some point. Uh, Sarah, you're just going to have, like, it's a, your mental break is on the horizon. Because Richie went nuts at the bowling thing and was being a jackass about it. And then, you know, I have a big meltdown about something that was really d- d- disproportionate. Uh, so yours has come probably within 10 days. I mean, you're going to come in and it's going to be, like, you're going to be missing, like, one shade of, like, eyeliner or something. You're just going to, God damn it! And then the whole, and then it's just going to be, like, nuclear apoco- uh, apocalypse. So, um, but so Richie had... There's this thing with the media bowling league where you you you've been kind of you've been overly aggressive and you've been like very sort of 
confrontational about that people weren't bowling fast enough and that people weren't being efficient enough. And for the love of God, will you please bowl? I'm no, I wasn't. See, you, know, you were being kind of a jerk about Whatever. it. But no, no, no. But, but, I, but, but you sort of turned it around. So I went there last night. And so Richie's feeling very positive and you're being uh, you know, very exuberant about the no, whole thing. No, it was so fun. We had such a great time. And we were done in like two hours last night. Were we? Yeah. It never and, happens. Usually we're like the last team. I mean, yeah. you were like that Will Ferrell uh, character, that cheerleading guy with the big plastic megaphone you <laughs> shout through. Except I did notice this. It's like guys who, um, it's like guys who roll their own cigarettes. You know what I mean? They have like the drum, tobacco, or whatever. Uh-huh. Or it's like people who, um, I don't know. You like, you know, you know, people who are on like some kind of like people are on like a medication or something, and it's like they're, they're the compulsive or people with their BlackBerry where they're compulsively hitting their pocket or checking their pocket to make sure that it's there. Uh-huh. You don't do that, but you have this. You have like the biggest pill container oh. I have ever seen in my life. Oh yeah, it just says energy. You Can I see that? that? Let you? me see that for a second. Yeah, I have to. All right, so this is like, this is like one of those grandma things that like somebody in your family has. Oh, I've got to take my nitroglycerin. So how many days is this for, Richie? One. That's one. <laughs> Wait, so this is for one day. This is today. Yeah. How many pills are there? And have you already taken some of these? Yeah. How many of you are you? But that was completely full last night at like seven. So do you refill it? Three. Yeah, I have to every day. Wait. Okay. Let's back up. How many pills have you taken two days since you got up? Five. You've taken five pills. Uh Oh God, this reeks. Oh my God, it stinks of death in here. Uh, What? Dude, what is in these pills? Stuff. (laughs) Stuff. Aminos and glucosamine and glutamine and uh, MSM and uh, conjointin and... You don't know what any of these things are. Yeah, I do. You don't know what any of those things do. Yeah, I do. When you say, like, it has a glucosamine and conjointin, you know why you're saying... That's, that's a thing you joints. That's a thing you've heard in a late-night talk radio commercial. That's for my joints. Really? Are you yeah. sure? Yes. So it's MSM. Is that because Larry King told you to take it? No, I've been reading on it. All right. I've been reading on it. I've been reading on it. me some now. reading. I've been, me some reading. I've been studying up on that. I've been reading stuff. So you got, how many pills do you take a day? I don't know. I, let's see, uh, four 1800s, three 1000s, uh, five. If you've already taken five pills at five, So six, what are 1800s and 1000s? Twelve. 1800s are amino 1800s and there's amino 1000s. They have different amino acids. You're taking 25 pills a day. Uh, I don't think I think I overstuffed it with the glucosamine today. If you're taking, it seems like any time you have to take 25 of anything a day, there's probably something larger that's wrong with you. Oh, there's a this is like you know who takes this every day? Magic Johnson. So I mean, unless there's something you'd like to share with us. Oh. Uh, I mean, everything I need right there. Have you seen that new commercial with Magic Johnson in it? When he's talking about real estate, and he's like, my biggest concern that I've ever had in my life was, you know, my real estate woes. I'm like, that's clearly not true. Like, Seriously? That's just a lie. Like, what What are you talking about? The biggest concern, I am Magic Johnson. The biggest concern I've ever had is my apparently failing memory. Uh, well, okay, what what do you eat in addition to these, Richie? Uh, where do you want to start? Breakfast? Three quarters? Cup. You know, never mind. I withdraw the question. No. I don't really care. I'm just going to say that these stink like the inside of a toilet. No offense. These pills, I don't know what's in these. Yeah, well, that's, I guess that's a fair point that you can't smell them. Oh, God. Smell these. No. You're always making okay. me smell You didn't smell stuff. it when my smell the pills. You know what? You're always making me smell like yogurt that's gone bad or something. Smell the pill. All right, smell those. See? Oh. Doesn't it smell like ass? And I mean actual literal, like, butt ass? <laughs> oh, I know what it smells like, but it's gross to say on the It air. smells like whiz. Yeah, it smells like, it? A, like man pee after, like, they were dehydrated. Man pee. <laughs> really? Oh, God. Ah. That's exactly what I'm saying. What? That's 
Are you serious? That's the you smell. You're that in your body? You were taking 25 pills. Oh, yeah, there's too many glucose meters. That smell exactly like, as Sarah put it, man pee. Oh, yeah, there's too many glucose Have you really, I mean, you really thought about this? Have you considered all of this, Richie? What? Ah, oh, never mind. All right. All right. We should really break. All right, and then I guess we could. I'm I, that man pee note. And I and I don't and I don't know what this is all about, but apparently I'm. It, all I have is this note from Sarah last night. I wrote this down, but I don't remember why. It just says, "Ask Richie about the rave," and I don't know what that means. <gasps> yes, Richie, I guess spent the entire. <laughs> oh, but you can't do this now, Rick. We're gonna get Lisa. Okay, well let's. Okay, we're not done, so then let's not discuss it. Okay. Okay, but remind me. I'm gonna come back Richie and back I'm gonna. And I'm going to ask about that when we get back. All right, coming up around the corner, Leah, Lisa Desjardins. Later on, Steve Kastenbaum, Don Taylor, Mike Nelson from RiffTracks.com, Ricardo Torres from GameSpot, and uh, more of your calls. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Is a friend of yours from high school? And she was, like, super rad in high school. Oh, that's the thing, though. But if they're super rad in high school, they become hella lame uh, later on. So Sarah was this photograph on MySpace. And it's of... So let me just say, it's a girl you went to high school with who was cool, but the MySpace photo is of her and, like, five other... Like, middle-aged women. All wearing Twilight shirts because they rented a limo to go see Twilight together. Her shirt says Twilighter, and one of her friends says, if you could live forever, what would you live for? And they all also have fake bite marks on their necks. Okay. <laughs> My friend is 29. Uh-huh. Yeah, that just gets worse, by the way. So, no, no, no. They're, I was talking to the uh, Things from Another World guys, and they have this whole... They have, it's pretty interesting, but I don't have time to get into it. But they have a whole hierarchy of who is into comics, sci-fi, fantasy, the role-playing, video games, all that stuff. But there is this whole demographic group of Twilight Moms. And Twilight Moms, and then I think twi- the daughters of Twilight Moms are fangirls. And there's, the, you know, because women traditionally have not been that into sci-fi fantasy, but they have been recently with things like Buffy and with things like Twilight. Mm-hmm. So, let me say this, you go to Provo, Utah, or any place in Utah, it's like so much worse because it's not just the Twilight stuff, but everybody's fat. No, but I've got to tell you, honestly, she wasn't Mormon in uh, high school, but then she ended up marrying a Mormon dude. So really? she is actually, in fact, Mormon. Mormons love Twilight, Sarah. Oh, because of the no Stephan- sex and well, the reverence. Well, and because right? Stephanie Meyer is LDS. Stephanie Meyer, the author, is Mormon. And the books have a lot of Mormon sort of theology in them, and they're all very chaste. That's the other thing. Mm. So they're all very chaste, except for the end. Look, I'm just going to go ahead and spoil it. Here's a Twilight spoiler no! lull. So, I mean, and this is not even from Twilight. This is from, like, the third book or whatever the hell. So just, if you don't want to have, like, part of the third book or whatnot in the, in the Twilight series spoiled, you just tune out now. Because I guess there's some point where some, uh, like, like one of the older uh, guys who's a werewolf, I guess, Apparently, apparently he gets into some sort of an arranged relationship with no lie, like a three-year-old. So you know, what? I'm just saying. Oh, look, I didn't read it. I'm just passing along the information as I understand it. I so. almost want to see that movie. I, I think. Oh, I, dude, you have to see it. It's terrible. No, I'm going to because it's playing at the Baghdad right now. You so gotta see like... it. It's awful. It's awful. It's so bad. Okay, I'm gonna go see it then. No, and 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 really. I'm just saying, you don't want to do it all at once, but someday you should read the book just so you can revel in just how unbelievably you, I, bad it is. Didn't you admit that you didn't even finish the whole book? I didn't. I went to Wikipedia and I read the... I got within 100 pages of the end and I just couldn't take it anymore. It was like being kicked in the intelligence. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It was just like having a big steel boot kicking me in the smart. And I just... After a while, I was like... 
maybe I can't do it. <laughs> and, I, and I just, I went to Wikipedia. I read the entire, now I know how the book ends. And then I saw the movie, too. Mm. And again, I can't state this enough for the record that the book and the movie, they're just so gloriously bad. I mean, they're just unbelievably bad. So anyway, I'm just, you, you really ought to check it out. Richie, could you call CNN? Four or five or... Oh, yeah, we're supposed to be talking to uh, Lisa Desjardins right about now. Well, that hadn't actually happened. Um, all right, so it's 503-733-2970. We're going to talk to CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum here in a few. Uh, later on, Don Taylor's going to be here from Film.com. Mike Nelson of RiffTracks.com, who is eating nothing but bacon for one entire month. We'll talk to him at 1 o'clock. Later on, uh, Ricardo Torres from GameSpot Magazine. And uh, another exciting installment of uh, It's the Worst Song You've Ever Heard. And I'm just going to say this about the Facebook status thing, because now everybody's emailing me thinking it's them that we're talking about. We're talking about Tara at KNRK. That's it. And she's a friend. Like, we're making fun of her. I mean, that's that's it. I'm just, just, and there, I say that because now everybody's like, I, I'm sorry, it wasn't me. I didn't mean to complain about the whatever. We're really not talking about anybody else. Although, I, as I understand it, it's a moot point because he says she's now deleted all of her Facebook entries. Yeah. My, Holy me. You know what? It, my it's conscience weird is how clear. People get, I know, and it's weird how people get their feelings hurt. I know, Tara, we work together. I would never make fun of her. We're just reading everybody's. I would make fun of her, but I didn't. I know. Uh, but, but I'm just saying I didn't, for the, for the record. Um, so we're just reading the, uh, her Facebook entries, and I guess uh, apparently that rubs some people the wrong way. And that's exactly what happens, is that someone hears something through somebody else. And because then, isn't she on the air right about now? I think, yeah, she's on middays. I would hate to think that she's doing her, her own program while obsessively listening to another show to see if they're talking about her. No, she's not listening. That would make you crazy. Uh, Rick. I'm not saying she's doing it. I'm saying. <laughs> I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just saying I would hate to think that that's the case. So, uh, no, my conscience is clear about that. You know what? We weren't we were making anything up. We weren't being mean. I wouldn't say anything malicious. We were just reading Facebook uh, status entries that are out there for, like, the whole world. So, you know what? You don't want it read. Don't put it on a thing that can be read by anybody with eyes. That's, you know, the A equals B equals C. Let's all get on the same page. For the love of God, uh, it's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From the Hill, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Hello, how are you today? Man, do I owe you guys an apology. I'm sorry. I, I set my alarm, but my um, battery died. And uh, in what did you set your alarm? Oh, because I, I think I'm a few minutes late. I, on my little phone, I set an alarm when I've got a live shot, and I'm I'm really sorry. I just looked out and the well, phone that's okay. Did. Uh, would you like to know that it caused us all kinds of pain and grief and suffering and woe and agony and despair? I don't want to know that. It did. Uh, it didn't. Uh, but no, I'm. But it, it has been a rough couple of days, and I'm sorry. My question actually was more about what kind of phone you have. Oh, right. It's uh, it's my CNN phone. It is a little LG. I think it's a VX. 5200. That's just a guess. Now, is it the is it the uh, I was going to say it's phone shaped, but uh, is it the, you know it's sort of rectangular and but it has the screen, but then you flip it open, and the keyboard's inside. Yes. How do you feel about that phone? Uh, yeah, I'd say lukewarm. All right, because yeah, I got a you know because I got a, a a BlackBerry which I love. BlackBerry's the best phone I've ever had. Uh. And then you know we can't use the iPhone here. I mean I guess I could, but I can't get CBS mail. They won't. You know corporate mail doesn't go to the iPhone. They only support the BlackBerry. But that Google phone is coming out, and our good friend Kristen who works here got the Google phone, which apparently has all kinds of like badass applications on it. So it's just oh, uh, really? it's all very agonizing. And again I love my BlackBerry, uh, but it was like you know even if I didn't I'd be obliged to use it anyway because I can't. There's nothing else that works with it with the CBS mail system. So oh right right. And by yeah. the way I owe you an apology as well because you were actually scheduled yesterday and not only, it's not that you got on late. You didn't get on at all yesterday, uh, just right, because. No, of... no, we're good. We're good. We're okay. Yeah, there was just some crap happening on this. Good night. Yeah, uh, no, believe know. me, it's, it's cool. Sarah, Sarah was really cool about it to me. Yes, it all uh, it all went south very quickly. I know. I know. <sighs> yeah. 
All right. I don't even I don't even know where to begin today. Um, and I say that all the time. And I know you're not talking about like the California thing and such, but it is just sort of one more log on the fire, right? That was it twenty thousand uh, employees or something that California is going to be laying off. Is that amazing? And meanwhile, Kansas is uh, telling taxpayers that they may not have money for state refunds. So it's it's spreading around the country. So this is wait. So so this is you're talking about the state. The state income tax refund? Yes, the state of Kansas. I, they're, they're saying if they can't get their budget worked out, they're also having serious budget problems in their state legislature, big talks between the governor and the lawmakers, and, and they're now kind of warning people, we don't know if we're going to have the money for refunds. That's right weird. That almost doesn't seem legal. You know what I mean? Like, Well, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger already is, they're already in California giving out literally IOUs. I don't know if it says IOU on it, but they're... It should. It should be scrawled on like a... It should, should have someone with a, uh, a Sharpie. And it should be written on the back of a losing entry form from the track. <laughs> exactly. Um, I do have Tyler Moody has just emailed, has messaged me. He has a question for you, my boss, Tyler. Uh, the answer is uh, seven. How was, the, how was the concert you guys went to last weekend? <laughs> Tyler's such a jerk. Uh, you mean that? Con- uh, never mind. Never mind. Did I ruin the joke? Was I supposed to just ask you? You know like, what? It was fabulous. Thank you, Tyler. It was wonderful. It was the best concert ever. Thanks so much. Okay. Thanks for being. Tell him he's a real pal. Okay, I'll, I'll tell him. He probably is listening now, so he, yeah. he knows. Do you know what he's talking about there? This must have been the fight from yesterday, yeah? Yes, indeed. Yes, yes, uh, it was. I'm so sorry. No, I, I know not of it. I, I don't know, and, uh, but now I, now I do a little bit. Well, I'm, I'm, thanks so much. Tell him that I was, <laughs> I was over it now, but uh, that I appreciate the fact that he's given me a paper cut and rubbed lemon juice into it. <laughs> He's somewhere. He's somewhere laughing heartily. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, in any event, we're giggling or not, or shaking his head. I, crying. He might be crying. I don't know. So there's. I mean, so all of this sort of goes. It, it all goes hand in hand because I mean, it happens. Just it unfolds faster than we can sort of keep it updated. So there's the California thing. I saw I, last night. John King was saying last night that, and I don't even know if this is part of the stimulus plan. This is like another four billion, which is four thousand million dollars. $4,000 million additionally now going to General Motors. That's right. That was part of the original. That That's not um, absolutely new. The deal was General Motors, if you can prove to us, they got $9 million before, and it, and this $4 billion, I'm sorry, $9 billion, and they, the $4 billion, they said, we will give you $4 billion more if you get in uh, you know, a plan by February 17th uh, that proves that you can be profitable. Now, they haven't actually submitted that plan yet, but the White House is already saying, yeah, you got the $4 billion. And all, all of that money, notably, is loans. That's all loans that automakers are supposed to pay back, but, of course, you have to stay in business in order to pay back money. Well, that's my thing. So what if the, what if they, they get this $4 billion and they just go belly up? What if, like, well, that's it. It's, screw it. We can't, you know, we can't make any money. We're out. And they just they file bankruptcy. I I think that it's a problem for everyone. I mean, but <laughs> essentially. Well, clearly it's a problem, but I mean, and maybe it's uncharted territory. But I mean, if if General Motors just says that's it, and, you know, we're out, and they just pull the ripcord and they throw up their hands, I mean, I don't even know what happens. Is the government just coming and seize all of that stuff, or how does that even work? We don't know. I mean, potentially it would be like any other liquidation of a business. I I, I don't you know I, I I'm not sure that. Uh, You'd have, you know, Julia Roberts benefiting as a prostitute with a heart of gold, but I, I think that it, it would still be a situation where the company could be broken up into pieces. And But I think that the, what we don't know is how much of a kind of tidal wave effect there would be because of this whole time the automakers are arguing, if one of us goes out of business, then all of the parts plants that we all depend on, which are the same companies they say, though I, I, I still don't really quite believe that, but that's what they say. And people in the industry say that's true. I don't know. 
if one goes out of business, then our parts plants also go out of business, and everybody basically uh, is up a creek. Hey, by the way, I have no idea why you were making a Julia Roberts hooker with a heart of gold reference. Uh... That's what I thought. I thought maybe if I if I kind of back ended it, there might, it might be the first time that. But it's bad actually. I was kind of maybe I can make this reference in such an obscure way. This is one of those, you know, above Rick's level to get a reference instantly. But then I realized. Why would I do that? It's That's just, not fun. You just, you just jam the two things together and hope it works. So yeah, my, exactly, so, exactly. No, no, that, that's the whole because, you know, breaking up a company was the whole... Ah, okay. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay, I'm sorry. She ended up benefiting, uh, you know, see, her boyfriend. Pretty woman references. You better off talking to Sarah. That's that is going to be lost on me. So... So there's seven hundred and eighty seven billion dollars. Ladies out there, that was for the ladies. All the ladies. So we, I mean, we went through this, uh, you know, once before. There's three hundred and fifty billion or seven hundred billion or whatever the hell it was that that they then used, and we couldn't figure out where it went, and there was no accountability, and the money basically just sank into the floor, and we couldn't find it. And so is, is a dumb question: Is that going to happen with this seven hundred and eighty seven billion dollar stimulus package, or do we actually have to track where it goes this time? You are not the first person to ask me this today. That is for sure. Everyone wants to know: Is this real money? Can we figure out what happens to this money? Is or is it just like the money we gave to the banks? It just sort of gets slurped up. This the White House has actually put online in just the last couple of hours a website: recovery.gov. www.recovery.gov. And on that website, I have to say. Like many an Obama-related website, it is very clearly uh, delineated categories that the money goes to. Now, you know, you, it, it's debatable how much when you divide the pie. There's lots of you know analysts that would debate. Well, I think this is really highway versus health, you know, whatever. But the White House has done their own division, and you can see how the White House thinks the money is divided up. And they say on that website that every time a dollar is spent from this recovery money that it will be on there, and you will see exactly where it's going. Now, we, we still want to see what that means precisely, but that is a claim, and the website does look pretty good. Mm. And final question here. Uh, when, and maybe you can answer this simply, maybe you can't, I don't know. Okay. Seems like this, it seems like the answer to this is either, uh, you know, one sentence or, uh, you know, a, a book. <laughs> okay. When does a recession become a depression? Uh, no one knows. Okay. No one knows. But, well, there but you go. I think you, you, more and more people... Recession has a more go-to definition, which is you know two quarters of negative growth or two quarters of contraction. But a depression is, is there. I don't. There are many different definitions. There's no one definition, but there are more and more people saying that this this is or will be very shortly a depression. Who knows? Well, okay. By the way, just as we wrap this up, I'm going to tell you right. I'm going to give you a little phrase you should be using right now. Uh, you should be. You should use the phrase manic recession. Like that, you I say, will use it right now. I mean, the whole country is kind of in a, a manic recessive. Little state. manic recessive. There you go. That's a little phrase. That's a that word jewel. Cool. I'm going to give yeah. you. You can just use that. No charge. No royalty. Oh, done. Great. Right. Thanks. Have, have a fantastic day. Give Give Tyler our love, won't you? I, I will, as he does you. He, I, I think mm-hmm. he also said he loved yesterday's show so much that he wants to listen to it again. Okay. Well, there you go. Thanks so much. Bye now. <laughs> Bye. All right. That's another hard at work in Atlanta. Well, Sarah, they can't spend all their time updating their Facebook uh, statuses. They've got to do something there. Oh, uh, God. It's 503-733. You're way more upset about that than I am, about the, 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 the Tara. Well, because thing. I know her. Well, I know her, too. Well, I know, but, yeah, but I'd like sort to of. hang out with her socially. Well, then if you hung out with her socially, she should not get herself in a wad about it. I mean, come on. Really. I mean, you know what they say? I'll guarantee you this. I will, I will, I mean, it's almost a virtual certainty that... This is one of those things we always warn people about, where it's not what we say that someone hears. 
It's what we say that they don't hear, but then they hear it like ninth hand from from other people who heard the show. And then by the time it reaches them, it's like, and then Rick Emerson said that you murder puppies, you know, you murder puppies mm-hmm. and bathe in their blood, it's, which is also true. But it's, you know, by the time it gets to her, it's that we've said something awful. So, all right, whatever. Uh, here, I like, in a way, though, it's almost like impressive. I mean, you can actually like have an air shift and then also be updating your Facebook thing like every nine minutes. I mean, either you've just... Either she's grown like a second head and a third arm or something, or she's just like way better at multitasking than I am. It's all I can do to eat breakfast in the morning. Let's uh, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you? Okay. Uh, I'm questioning uh, whether I should continue to be a baseball fan. Was there ever really... I mean, the answer is no. Or the answer is yes. I mean, and I don't mean to be snarky about that. I don't want to sound uh, reflexively pessimistic. It seems like, because we're talking about the Alex Rodriguez thing here and the the steroids. I mean, it seems like if you were a baseball fan before this, like you knew in your heart that everybody was crooked and juiced. I mean, you just know that. You know that you knew that that was the case. And if you were a fan before, like, like, why why should this affect that? You already knew that everybody in baseball was scum. (laughs) Right? I mean, let's just be honest. Like, this would be like after, like, I hate to draw this comparison, but this would be like after the Chris Brown thing, and we don't know all the details there. But I read a statement from Chris Brown's camp yesterday. The you know he was a, the, the alleged uh, assault of, of Rihanna. I read a statement from Chris Brown's camp yesterday in which he did seem to admit that there was. He admitted he seemed to admit that there was a, a, a great degree of truth to all the news. In other words, let me put it that way. I, who knows? But that would be like after the Chris Brown. I just don't know if I can be a fan of music. Well, you kind of knew that everybody in music is more or less. You know, that they're morally bankrupt and bereft of any sort of, uh, you know, <laughs> that they're not role models. So it seems like you know, could just I, continue I, with that. I, I grew up as a kid, you know, uh, with, with the Yankees of the 80s and, and, you know, those guys playing through pain. And now I'm wondering, you know, were they doing drugs then, too, you know? So I don't know. I mean, but it seemed like even they weren't. I mean, and again, I don't I don't want to seem like I'm just being sort of like uh, like Johnny Bleak about it just for effect or something. But I mean. I guess it's steroids now, but don't you figure it was always something? It was steroids, or it was like sharpening your cleats, uh, or it was like using, what is it, the, the pine tar or whatever on the bat, or like corking, or, you know, or, or whatever, or doing like those weird, you know, you'd have pitchers that would sort of, they'd screw with the baseball so it, it hit differently or it flew differently or whatever. I mean, it's just, which is not to excuse it, but I mean, it's just sort of always, as long as there's been sports, there's been guys who uh, want to get ahead by any means necessary. I guess you're right. But uh, Alex Rodriguez uh, just spoke to the press moments ago with a quivering chin as he bit his lower lip. He uh, you know, turned to his players who were standing there in a show of support, his teammates, and uh, it was a long pause, at least a minute of silence. And uh, then he finally just said, uh, as he fought back tears, uh, he didn't cry, but he said thank you. That's all he said to them. So Alex Rodriguez revealed that he and his cousin – obtained a drug that was available over-the-counter in the Dominican Republic. It was injected. Um, To what degree it helped, I'm not sure. Now, he understands that everybody will call into question his records now, his his stats. I understand the the questions and and the doubt, and I laid my bed. I'm going to have to sit on it. I'm I'm here to take my medicine. Clearly, he needs to take some English language. classes but i laid my bed and i sat in it the um i laid my malapropism uh and then i mowed the lawn the 
So this drug is over the counter in in the Dominican Republic. Now, is the, is the drug itself just in and of itself illegal in America? Well, obviously it's a, a, prescri- a prescribable. A per, uh, is that a word? Uh, a drug that you would need a doctor's prescription for, and so it's not necessarily an illegal substance. But it's not like banned outright by the government. Like it's not like some right. you know like some heroin or something where the United States says you can't have it. It has its applications. I mean, look, you, you take steroids for a number of ailments, uh, and, and, and I remember working uh, uh, while I was in high school uh, for a veterinarian in the neighborhood, and, and steroids were, like, you know, given for every ailment you could think of uh, for animals. So, you know, but, uh, so, so yeah, I mean, it's not like it's an, uh, an, an illicit drug like cocaine or, or something like that. It's, it, you know, it's a... The drug that's manufactured by the uh, pharmaceutical industry. See, so that's my thing. It's like, and I, you know, and I realize that I come to, to this from a different perspective because I'm not a sports fan. But I, I was watching Bill Maher of all people talk about this, and Bill Maher kind of a little bit of that guy goes a long way with me. But somebody asked, I think it was Larry King, was like, "What do you think about steroids and baseball?" And Bill Maher said, "You know, it's just a game. It's just some guys hitting a ball with a stick and running around. Like, what do I care?" And because you got to figure that. Unless you think I'm just being overly flip about it, is if the professional sports are so hard on your body anyway. It's such an unhealthy way to make a living, like, period. And you're already, uh, you know, training in ways that are unreal. Well, it's just one man against another. But that's, but that's also not true because, you know, the average guy who's a major league baseball player has access to resources and time and money and schedule and equipment. You know, some regular guy off the street doesn't have. So I think it's already an uneven playing field, and it's already a thing where people push their body really beyond what is healthy and what they ought to, and they're all sacrificing certain physical, uh, you know, elements of their physical safety. Or, or you know, this is why you see these, you know, football players that are, you know, 40 and they walk like they're 100 years old. So it just seems to me like you know, taking some performance-enhancing drug. I mean, it's just it's it, it, it's just one more thing that they're already doing. In my opinion, it's like I just don't, I just don't care. Yeah, it does. I mean, you're right. I mean, it does. Uh, I mean, I go into the batting cage now, and I ache for days afterwards. Yeah, I mean, so it, you know, and it, it also raises. I mean, there's all these weird philosophical questions about what is a performance enhancing drug. Caffeine is an, is a performance enhancing drug. Um, so it just it seems it seems a little odd and a little arbitrary, and it seems like you're putting not you, but it, it seems like it is putting a retroactive halo. On all of these guys, I mean, really, let's let's you and I speak just as men here, Steve. I mean, even I, how can the sport of Ty Cobb really be considered to have some golden glow that's going to be uh, tarnished by this? Well, you know, I, I think that when you look at things like, you know, pine tar and uh, a little Vaseline on the ball, um, you know, those those things you know, affect the tools of, of the sport and, and are downright nasty and, and the dark side of the sport, no doubt. But But this is actually altering your physical capabilities. When, when you inject these drugs, you're, you're, you're changing what you're, you're enhancing what your, your muscles and your, and your skeletal, skeletal structure can do, you know? You, obviously, you still have to put the bat on the ball. You still have to get the ball over the plate. But it, uh, it increases y- your, uh, your ability to hit that ball far, you know? So, I don't know, it's a little bit different than, than the pine tar or, or the, the spitter. I think. I just like spitter, and I like the notion of it's different than Vaseline on the ball. That's going to be my phrase, by the way, for the rest of the day. Well, you know, this isn't like Vaseline on the ball. I think we all – here's the thing, just so you know, just be aware of this, Steve. The next time I have to go into any sort of a meeting here, department head meeting, sales yeah. meeting, client pitch, I'm going to find a way to go, look, I mean, I think we all know uh, this is different. This isn't just like uh, Vaseline on the ball. Am I right? And then just see who in the room nods and agrees with me, even though they have no idea what I'm talking about. 
Yeah, give right. it a try. See if they were listening to the show. Hey, do you use uh, the Facebook? I think we might have had this conversation, but uh, yeah. do you, you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, every once in a while, uh, one of your listeners will uh, try to friend me, and I ignore them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Never mind. I was going to ask you a whole thing, but I mean, that's just, I think we'll go out on that. That's you, and, you and I are friends on the Facebook, aren't we, Steve? Yes, we are, Sarah, yes. Well, that's different, Sarah. Uh, I oh, I didn't hear. Did you say that he ignored? Not the some grubby listener. Oh, Steve. Well, you know, no, you know what it is. I, I don't like. You know, <laughs> I, I, I meet a lot of people every day, and you know, I just feel like you know, if I'm going to have them as a friend on Facebook, I want it to actually be somebody who I know, who no. I have some interaction with. I don't like. I don't. I'm not one of these people who needs to have you know like two or three thousand friends. No, 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 just, no. That's kind of that's how I feel too. Hey, Rick. Steve is enjoying his last day on the beach in Isla Verde, Puerto Rico. I was going to ask what your status is, and Steve's Steve is incredibly out of date with his Facebook status. Wait, I haven't changed. I thought I, I thought I cleared that. Sarah's Steve has his enough. first new bike in two decades, and he can't wait for the temperature to rise. Oh, you're looking at my old... <laughs> yeah. What is your status now, Steve? He doesn't have one. I think it's blank. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's him. That is the best picture ever. What is it? It's him holding up the CNN microphone to a dog. Oh, that's fantastic. And at the Westminster Kennel Club dog show. That is, the, that is the cutest picture. Well, it the was dog just... obviously just said something shocking to me, as you can see by the expression. <laughs> I can't believe what I'm hearing. It was just like the casual way you said it, though, when you're like, occasionally one of my, you know, one of your listeners will try to befriend me, and then I just ignore them. And it was just that you sort of laid it out there, matter of fact, like I can't even, you know, that's just fine. Good for you. I'm not, not going to lie. I'm not going to uh, say I didn't take steroids. You know what? You know? That's the thing. Like, I know, yeah, there's no, no, no sense in just spreading falsehoods here. Yeah. All right. Hey, listen. If you friended me and you never heard back, yes, I ignored you. Okay? There it is. Out there. All right. Fantastic. We love you, Steve. All right. Excellent. All right. Tell my favorite part of my day. Well, tell Tyler we said hello. I will. Hugs and kisses. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. All right. There you go. La, la, la. All right. It's fantastic. Well, I could do the Facebook. uh, I could do the Facebook poetry now, but we should. timely. We should probably get Don Taylor in here first. Yeah. So let's take a break. Yeah, I I would imagine. But uh, who knows? Who's to say, Sarah? All right, take a break. Back after this, it is uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. Don Taylor, Mike Nelson, Ricardo Torres from GameSpot, and uh, more of your calls. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. Back after this. Better living through chemistry, Don. <laughs> Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503 Apparently now the big uh, Terra Facebook scandal of 2009 is all anybody wants to talk about in the hallway here. No, I know. It's, just like, it's, it's exacerbating the situation. It's kind of a joke here with these headphones, by the way. They're sitting there all wrapped up, ready to go, like something, and then the plug isn't. Is broken. Is it, I saw Richie trip over them today. <laughs> yeah. you know, is this one of those things where they're broken, but we've decided to leave them in the studio? Appar- for no reason? Apparently so. Let me just get these out of your way. 
Yeah, the, the, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. They're not even. It's not even attached on one side. No, this one's plugged in over there. All right, so. well, hold on. Let me. Uh, all right, have you got the? Where the hell is the cord? All right, there we go. All right, why don't you plug uh, those in? Okay, all right, thank fantastic. You. I'm putting those over there. Jesus, God. Oh, I can hear things now. Ah, fantastic. All right, 503-733-2970. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. Oh, we don't have her. Do we have Dawn's theme? Uh, we sure do. From Film.com, ladies and gentlemen, our good friend Dawn Taylor joining us now in the... Uh, Did you want me to print the most yell? recent ones? When you say most recent ones, are we talking about everybody's or are we just talking about terrorists at this point? No, we're not. You stop that. I'm talking about everybody. I'm just asking because apparently she's... Apparently, her new one is, I'm moving on. Also, I've deleted everything. And it seems like those two things are at odds with one another. It seems like you can either be deleting everything in response to what some jackass on the radio says, or you can be moving on. Doesn't seem like you can be doing both of those. One of those things is a lie. Hmm. Anyway. Uh, hello, Don. How are you? I'm good. I'm trying to log into Facebook so I can update my Facebook status. <laughs> Okay. Oh, I just printed it. And we didn't do the synchronization thing. Oh, yeah. Either. Let's do that now. Hold on. Where's my... We'll just use this. All right. Uh, so I'll give you the, uh, the little intro here, and then we'll give it like 30 seconds. Uh, then we'll all synchronize our uh, Facebook uh, status, uh, whatever messages. Uh, so right now, please now to be going to Facebook.com. Uh, you out there, go to Facebook.com right now. We are all going to synchronize Por favor. our status message uh, now. Please now to go to Facebook. Dot com. We're going to uh, synchronize our Facebook status and uh, so forth. All right. Is everybody ready? All right. And, okay, what is today's going to say, Sarah Dillon? I know. They always say the same thing. This yes, web page do. expired. But there it is. All right. Um, the best part about having Dawn here is that occasionally it's just sort of like, it's like this explosion of frustrated elliptical noise in the corner of the room. It's like Tourette's without the swearing. I mean, and it's just things that don't make any sense. <laughs> Green 75? What? Uh, Transom. A on you. Yeah. Transom. Gridlock. Armchair. Okay. Let's, one of us can be in this mood. The other one can't. I'll let you be in this mood. I'm going to try to hold it down on Normalcy Avenue over here. All right. At Facebook.com, uh, we are now changing today's uh, status I message. Since I, since I have to change it, you have to think of it. Oh, I'm just going to make it simple. I'm just going to say, um, uh, let's see. How about this? All right. How about this? Um, <clears throat> um, see, it's kind of difficult. Let's see. No, That's no, no. why it is impressive that people can change it all the time because I don't even know what to write. <laughs> Let's see. How about this? How about this one? Um, blank, you know, your name is listening to the Rick Emerson show at www.970.am. Dot, 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 for the children. Period. There you go. Please now to be updating your Facebook status today. It, it is uh, your name is listening to the Rick Emerson Show at www.970.am. For the children. Or if they're not comfortable with their person, perhaps they can put dash. I'm listening to the Rick Emerson. Or 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 I'm yes, listening to the Rick One, Emerson two, three, Show. Post. All right, posting now. That's our sound for now. <laughs> Did you change it, Don? I keep trying to, and apparently I'm not typing fast enough, and it keeps telling me that I've lost the, the pages timed Maybe this is like some electronic sixth sense thing in your dead, and that's in the old, but the, you discover it when you can't update your Facebook uh, status. <laughs> and then you see all your comments are like, oh, she was a sweet woman. That's how we'll all know when we're dead, when we can't blog. <laughs> really? 
there's some sort of a Philip K. Dick there. So they do Android something, blog of electric something or other. But anyway, all right, Don Taylor, it is. Uh, it's good to see you today. How was your uh, How was your weekend? Was it satisfying? It was. It was really. It was really excellent. I uh, actually on Sunday I played in a charity gameathon to uh, benefit the Children's Trust Fund of Oregon. And I went to the Fox and Hounds pub and uh, with my friend Lee Moyer, who's a local artist, illustrator. He roped me into this. And uh, it was teams of two, and you played uh, different Hasbro games for 15 minutes. And whoever had the most score at the end got a fabulous prize. Now, wait a minute. I know, I know the big two, which is Milton Bradley and Parker Brothers. What is Hasbro? I mean, I know who they are, but like, what, what is a Hasbro game? Uh, they, we did uh, Yahtzee, uh, Scrabble. They own Scrabble now, apparently. Uh, Boggle. We did not do Boggle. They uh-huh. might own Boggle. Okay. Jenga, which I had never played before and Jenga. discovered I actually have a facility for Jenga. Jenga is one of those things that exists to me only to reference. Like, I've never played it. It's just there to be a wacky blah, 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 Jenga, blah, 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 culture reference. Okay. I think... I... Are you still trying to log into Facebook? What no, I did. You? I did. Finally. Don is on the Rick Emerson Show right now. Excellent. Listen at W. Thank you. Uh, and we played uh, Connect Four and something called Catchphrase, which is kind of a password sort of a thing, and Pictionary. Pictionary. Boy, I remember Pictionary used to just make my family fight like cats and dogs. Not as bad as Trivial Pursuit or Monopoly. Sorry I mean, was my family's game. I would... They end up in screaming matches. See, board games, and that's why to this day I don't like to play board games. You know? I don't either. I don't. Need, I am. I am a poor loser. No, I, I get. I take them way too. I personal. take it way too seriously, and like, I'll, and then I will like think of it like, like especially with sorry. Like sorry is my thing. That I go back to like if they bump me off and like put me back to the beginning. Oh. Is sorry, one of those things is the popomatic deal. No, it's the thing where it ha- where you start off in um, <clears throat> in like one corner, and there's like a red and a blue and a green and a yellow, and you. I can't remember if you roll a dice or you do get them all get, get them all home or so whatever. You get them all home and get yeah. them into there, and they're only like two safety zones. But if you like make it almost all the way around the circle, and somebody gets a sorry card, can, they, the card? can they bump you? Then or? They can bump you and send you all the way back to the yeah. beginning. See, I don't like games where you're mean to other people. Like like I don't like Uno because oh, it all involves Uno, I forgot screwing people. I forgot about that. Uno, I hadn't thought about yeah. Uno forever. Uh, yeah. Well, we did game. really well. Lee and I actually won, and we did get a little uh, criticism from a couple of other the teams because apparently every, a lot of the people were thinking, hey, this will be fun. Right. It's for charity. We get a couple of free drinks out of it, and we'll play some games, and Lee and I were there. Okay, what's the strategy? And you took How it do seriously. we win this? No, that's the thing. So, like you're, look, you can't... They told us we were intense. You must be in it to win it, uh, Don Taylor. That's the American way. It's uh, One doesn't play for the love of the game. Screw the love of the game. I am there. I am there to crush the dreams of others. So, but it's like that, and so as a result, to this day, I mean, unless I am like at gunpoint forced into it, I don't play, I don't play, God, God damn Monopoly, I haven't played since I was a kid, F that, you'll never get me to play that again. Um, Trivial Pursuit, well, Trivial Pursuit I don't have to play because no one will play with me anymore. I've just been told that I'm not allowed. It's, I, I just, I, I feel, I'm sort of the, uh, you know, I'm not like one of the longest yard, uh, like, ringer guys. So I, I can't play, tri- and when I do try to play, occasionally, like, if there's a Trivial Pursuit game going on, or somebody's house and it's going on, I'll kind of eye it, and I think Lara sort of sees me looking at it. But then they start instituting all these rules, like i got to answer the whole card, and everybody else only has to answer one question. Yeah. And don't you actually start to feel a little bad at some point? Because I, I'm the same way with, like, movie games, like seen it and stuff. And there's this point where, they, well, I'll, I'll bet you know the answer to that. And you're like, yes, I do. Yeah. Yes, no. I do. Yes, I know the answer to that one, too. I, I think I might have told you this story, actually. We were at some sort of geek gathering at one point, and I think it was Bobby, it was Fat Boy, and maybe Jason Crump, who there was some seen it thing that happened and, and i forget exactly why because it's a pretty that's a pretty binary game in other words you know you either have the answer or you don't i forget exactly what the gray area was but it's like it went from question being asked to like nose to nose hands on the keys turning for the first strike launch 
in like four <laughs> seconds. And it was like, you're wrong, you're wrong, shut up, your mother shuts up. You know, and it was like immediately violence uh, on the horizon. So you can't, yeah, I can't do that anymore. I. What's, what's freaking is playing scene it, my husband has like this amazing mutant ability for the, 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 one the puzzle. pixelated ones. Yes. Yeah. And it's just like some green blob, and he's going, "Go, Christopher Walken." I'm like, "Yeah." Well, how do you know that? Yeah. <laughs> it, how do you recognize that's that? That's a weird, like, Spidey sense kind of a thing. That's a weird second sight deal that you that you got there. So, no, I want that's that's a thing that I just and here's the other thing I can't do. I can't be in the room when Jeopardy is on TV. Because if I'm in the room when Jeopardy's on TV, it's like I just moth to a flame, and it's like I just go in there, and I and I am a jackass. I just sit there. Look, I'm not trying to say this. Because the thing is, like, it's not that I'm smart. It's that I know a lot of trivia, which is two different things. And But I will just sit there as Jeopardy, and I'll just, like, throw them out. And it's, and I do that thing, of pre, and I'm a pretty fast reader, so I'll just pre-read it. And it's like Alex hasn't even gotten the, uh, you know, he hasn't even, he had... This 13th, count of Monte Cristo, you know, and just like screaming it out. And then other people in the room shoo me away. Or how about this is when I really, really go mental. Er, uh, when I was in Provo over uh, Christmas, so I was in a great mood to begin with. So I'm there with my mother-in-law, an even better mood. We're sitting there uh, for like the third day in the snowbound house in not just Provo, but a tiny town on the outskirts of, of, of Provo. So it's like already just the best, the best week of my life. And Jeopardy is on. And Lara's mom is very... um. I mean, I hate this. There's just no other way around it. So Lara's mom and I do have some sort of personality similarities, which I guess shouldn't shock anybody. But um, her mom is very sort of type A and very kind of control freak and very sort of aggro and whatever. So it's not. So her mom and I are kind of, we do have a lot of things in common. But her mom sits there and she's watching Jeopardy. And I'm just doing my thing of like, bump, 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 just set him up, knock him down. And I just, and I think I did a streak of like 12 in a row where before he'd even finished it, I had the correct answer. And then her mom did like the single, and I don't know if she was trying, like, intentionally trying to like jack me up with this, but she goes, "I bet you've seen this before." And then she accused me of having seen oh. the episode before. And it was at that point, like, you can feel Mr. Hand becoming Mr. Fist, and you're like, "I have to leave the room now. I'm going to go walk in the Provo snow." Goodbye. It's like when you're playing Trivial Pursuit, and somebody goes, "Oh, I bet you've just memorized all the cards." Yes, I went through the game and I read every one of the 700 cards, and I memorized them just so I could win at your stupid party. You son of a bitch! It's exactly what I did. I'm that psychotic. Uh, well, this is why. And and then to bring it all back around, so yeah, this is why I don't play any of those games. It's why I'm not uh, invited to uh, to trivia nights in Portland anymore. Uh, well, Lee, my partner, he actually has played uh, championship Scrabble, and we were playing our Scrabble match against these two guys that not only couldn't spell, but they were drunk. So their their thing is like he puts down like four letters, and I said, and that is this is gourd, you know, like the vegetable, and I go. That has a U in it. That's fantastic. And then it's my partner, Sir Lee, and he's like, zip, 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 zip. and they're like, what did he just do? And I said, he just spelled four words. Seminiferous. once. Yeah, <laughs> it, he just made four words, you know. So they got uh, like 40 points or something, and we got like 380 uh, or something uh, ridiculous like that. Jesus. Were you here? Was it? Were you on the show that day? I was telling the story about the same trip to Provo. We were playing this, this horrible game, Scattergories. The clan anecdote. No. Oh God. Uh, well, I've kind of, I've already given the punchline, <laughs> such as it is. So this is why. I mean, look, I know that Lara. I'm not saying she just goes to see her family out of a sense of obligation. I mean, obviously she loves her family. You know, apparently that's what some people do. So she, you know, so she loves them. She goes, but it's that same thing of like, she is just so. 
I mean, it's like the raised by wolves thing. I mean, it's just like, you know, where you look at it, you, you, I know that she must ask herself, like, how is it that I came from these people? Because my wife is, you know, she's big, bleeding heart and a big, you know, she's a, you know, she's a member of MoveOn.org and she was a women's studies uh, student. And, you know, she spent this week, this weekend, she, this past weekend, she went in like a two shot, like back to back on Sunday. She went to see the vagina monologues and they went to like meditate at a Buddhist temple. I mean, which is wow. fine, you know, and whatever. I mean, I'm not trying to make fun of that. I mean, wow. it's just we... hearing that made my ovaries hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Don Taylor's ovaries are filled with a stabbing pain. Um, you know, we just, and again, I'm, I'm not trying to say it's not my thing, but you know what? Uh, we we overlap somewhat, but not entirely, which is why it's great because I, you know, you don't want to be somebody just like you because that's pointless. So we, it's all that corny stuff, but we're different, you know, in just enough ways to blah 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 blah. So she has just a huge bleeding heart, but her parents are just these incredibly straight-laced, right-wing conservative. I mean, Fox News never goes off. It's on all the time, unless it's to watch Jeopardy or Judge Judge Judy. That's it. And she just kept saying, you know, in, in her family, where uh, they send like the the awful um, the awful forwarded emails with like a million forwards and carrots or whatever before it, and it's always something that is presumably a commentary on Barack Obama, but is really an excuse just for Hicks, uh, you know, to say awful racist things. But it's always like, no, 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 wah, wah, Barack Obama, wah, wah. so therefore it like passes as comedy. So that's the sort of that's the sort of background. You ask yourself, like, how is it that she, like, how is it she can even walk upright coming from this family? So we're playing Scategories, and if you haven't played Scategories, I will tell the story briefly, and then we'll, then we'll do some actual news here. But the deal is that, like, you roll a die or whatever, you get a letter of the alphabet, like G, and then you get a card that has a bunch of categories, like, you know, a bunch of nouns, basically, and you got to come up with a noun that starts, you know, in that category. So it's a G, and it's like car, uh, gremlin, and then the next one is fruit, uh, you know, um... Garbanzo, not a fruit, but you get the point. Yeah. Movie, the uh, Gone with the Wind. So, we roll like the letter K, and I've already given the punchline away, but it's just so it's so <laughs> it's so unbelievable. Anyway, we roll K, and we're all, you know, and each of us has our own car. And we roll K, and we're all like, and I'm looking down, and I'm like, okay, uh, you know, uh, movie, and I'm like, and writing whatever, you know, King and I or whatever, and so writing all this stuff down, and then at the end, you go around the room, and everybody reads their answers, and the thing is, like, if yours, if you came up with not one that nobody else put, then like you get a point. So we roll K, and one of the categories that comes up is hero. And so Lara puts down, because the deal is you also get points if you put down one that nobody else has. So she puts down Kennedy, we find out later. But then, because she didn't want it to be a duplicate, she put comma Carolyn, thinking, all right, nobody else will have put Carolyn Kennedy. So we run the room, we're reading off all the answers. And she's like, okay, and for the uh, letter K, for hero, I put uh, uh, Kennedy, comma, Caroline. Her family just erupts like they are going to tar and feather her and just kick her into a sewage ditch somewhere, screaming about how no Kennedy, that this is a completely invalid answer because no Kennedy, you know, especially Carolyn, but no Kennedy is a hero to anybody anywhere, and that is a, an invalid answer. And they want to vote on it right now in the living room to decide whether or not she can get a point by putting down Kennedy as hero. And I'm just sitting there going, Jesus, God almighty, when do I get to fly back to Portland for the love of Christ? And I'm just watching this insane, like, just this pack of gibbons of a family just, like, screaming about the Kennedys. And then they're going around, and they get to her dad. And her dad, again, the letter K, her dad, for hero, had put the Klan. And, and there was just this moment of, like, where Laura and I, it's that thing <laughs> of, like, it was that couple telepathy. Mm -hmm. Where Laura and I sort of like, we didn't look at each other because I think we knew if we looked at each other, it was all going to be over. And there was that moment of silence where we were kind of like, all right, how are we going to, 
just could move on, just pretend we didn't hear it. Or and find large. She goes, Dad, I don't, I don't understand. Like, why would you put, I don't, why would you put the clan is hero? And he, does, well, I mean, I'm not saying for me personally, but uh, you know, for a lot of this country, they, uh, they're heroic figures, honey. And there's just like, and I, and I think I had my hand on hers at that moment, and I think I gave her the hand squeeze, which indicated like, move on. We're, just, we're not even gonna. Don't look him in the eye. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, Marion. Don't look at the lights, and we're all gonna get out of here. So just, uh, you know, let let them open the box and uh, and screw with the ark. We're just gonna, you know, and, and I mean that that right there. That's it. And so that's why I don't play games. Uh, just on on the similar note, my mother was very conservative, and uh, she was an alcoholic, so she would pick. She d- didn't really follow news so much as she would pick up uh, her opinions on the, you know civic matters from her barfly buddies and then it would so it would be filtered through this sort of mesh of ignorance and booze yeah and then come out later and we were on vacation together when she took me with her to mexico and we were sitting around having drum drinks having a lovely time and i don't even remember why it came up the the concept of martin luther king but she said well you know martin luther king jr was an evil man and and he he incited uh black people to rise up against whites and this was like one of the first times I finally just, as an adult, confronted my mother. And I looked at her and said, are you retarded? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Where do you get that? Where are you from? And she just looks at me like, it's true. Everyone knows it. It's a known fact. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. It's, uh, you can look it up. It's, uh, they did a whole paper on it. Yeah, my mom, the Wikipedia of stupid. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, all right, Sarah, you tell me, sister, what are we doing here? Why don't we take a break and then come back with our Facebook poetry? <laughs> all right, we'll come back, we'll read Facebook poetry, and then we'll have news with Dawn Taylor. And there's some good ones today, too. Oh, wow. All right, it's 503-733-2970. Don't go anywhere. The Rick Emerson Show continues next with Dawn Taylor. Later on, Mike Nelson. Stay right there. vote to make that uh, that movie like we should start pushing now for that to be put in the what is that AFI registry of what's the thing where they put the films in the vault like they get a print and they put it like in a granite thing underneath Colorado so it can never be like so aliens can find it so that movie made my mom cry and, and beg me to have babies <laughs> that's a movie you can almost pretty much almost not quote on the radio no. at all though because mm-hmm. it's so no. profane but it is just such a profound commentary on Everything we were just talking about off the air about these stu- stupiditing, which is a word I'm just making up right now. The stupiditing. The stupiditing. Of, uh, <laughs> of, of America. Well, no, it is. I, I just, you know, it is, it is, it is, uh, you know, it is idiocracy rising. I mean, really, we, we are, we are in that time. I mean, I'm, I'm, and the thing about idiocracy, which I think everybody sort of knows, is that it's, it's not a very good movie. That's the thing. Like, it's a great concept, kind of half, not even half-heartedly, because I think he was really going for it. He just couldn't really... He couldn't get out on the film or on the paper what was in his head, yeah. uh, as opposed to Office Space, which is really sublime. You know, Office Space was just so perfectly rendered 
and just so casually brilliant that I think at first it struck people as being kind of dull or being very flat because, again, it was just, it was so perfect that there was no need to jazz it up. There was no need to shove it in your face. It was just so exquisitely crafted. Whereas Idiocracy is this sort of sawed-off shotgun of a movie where great idea, bam, and he did all of this stuff comes out and about 30% of the ideas work and the rest are sort of a very hit and miss. But here's the thing about that movie. That movie, A, it's not like Mike Judge has to establish his bona fides with anybody either, because he clearly is a guy who knows. I mean, he's done everything from Office Space to King of the Hill to Beavis and Butthead to whatever. So, so it's not like he has to really establish anything with me. But I, but that movie is so great, a because even if it if it gets done better, and even if that movie is only sort of half realized, which I think even half is being generous. The important thing about Idiocracy is it's there, it exists, and it's on record. Like he's on record as having said, "I." God, this is what is happening, and and even even if it's a movie, a deeply flawed movie that an awful lot of it doesn't work, you can't help but watch it and just go, oh yeah, and, yeah, oh oh yeah, and just for its points of genius, we are so headed there, and that is the and exactly, and that is the other great thing about Idiocracy. The reason it, that it needs to exist, that I'm glad it exists, is I don't even own that. I should go buy it. Um, is that the reason Idiocracy needs to exist is because it is a it is a shorthand that all of us can use. When something, we go, oh, God, that guy is just all kinds of idiocracy. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows what reference. you mean. Yeah, you say it, and people know exactly what you mean. It is a summation of well, something. I saw a commercial on TV last night, and it involves a woman and a man riding a, a double bicycle, bicycle for two, and she has this insanely long armpit hair that's, like, flying in his <laughs> face. And it turns out that the ad is for, like, cell phones. Some cell phone company. It has nothing to do with the fact she has this long armpit hair. And I watched this ad just going, not only do I not understand why they came up with this concept, but it would actually turn me off from the product if I bothered to even remember which product it was that they were selling. That if I actually bothered to, you know, to think of this ad, when I see the name of this product, I would go, oh, no. And, I, and all I could think of is that. That's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody just went, you know, you know, it'd be great in an ad, long armpit hair. Seriously. And, and that was it. And it was never referenced or anything? Well, no, she was talking about her. So she said, it's all natural. And this is, it, it, it's good. It's nature. It's, I don't even remember what the ad was about. It was just more of like, and the guy behind her is all kind of like going, oh, her armpit hair is tickling my nose. And then all of a sudden it turns out to be about cell phones. And it was like, but you know, there was like a filing cabinet of weird imagery that they had. What do we have? Uh, armpit hair, a uh, woman with a huge tick on her face. Uh, let's see this. Uh, we have a guy jumping into a pool of jello. I don't know. Any of these work for you? I don't know. Just pick one. We'll just make it work. Now it's fine. They'll think it's genius. So. And, and you wonder about the, you know, the people at the company, the cell phone company, who were approached by the ad reps, the advertising agency, saying, we got this great idea. And they were going, yeah. You know, you know Check with long arm editor. That will sell our cell phones. That's that whole thing of like, well, we don't understand it, but these young people seem very enthusiastic about the <laughs> armpit hair commercial. So. They probably, honestly, they probably sold it and said, uh, you know, it'll get a lot of hit on you, hits on YouTube because of the armpit hair, and that'll like spread your your company's name. And and they thought that sounded like a great idea or something. Um, all right, I should do the I should do the Facebook poetry, and then we'll uh, and then we'll begin the news hour here at twelve forty. Uh, let's see here. All right, let me see. I'm just uh, all right, Sarah. And what is this second one you've given me? Is this all just uh, Rick Emerson ones? No, that's a that's a newer one. Oh really? Okay. All right. So uh, all right, let me do this. Did you need to go through and circle some for a little yeah, bit? Yeah. So why don't we start the news and we'll do this here in a bit. So okay. ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk, let's make way for Don Taylor. Wow. Shall we? Now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. I'm going to start with an update on my favorite story. 
We all remember the uh, the man who was uh, arrested in Tijuana for Tijuana. Uh, dissolving 300 corpses yes, in we do. Fat barrels of acid, who went by the nickname The Stew Maker. Well, Fernando Oseguera has not seen his son since gunman dragged the college student from the family's house three years ago. Alma Diaz wonders what happened to her son, Eric, a Mexicali police officer who left a party in 1995 and never returned. Arturo Davila still pounds on police doors, looking for answers 11 years after his daughter and girlfriend were kidnapped in downtown Ensenada. For hundreds, perhaps thousands of families of people who have vanished amid Baja California's drug wars, the search for justice has been lonely and fruitless, but their hopes have been buoyed recently by the January 20 arrest of a man Mexican authorities believe is behind the gruesome disposal of bodies in a vat of industrial chemicals. Santiago Mesa Lopez, the 45-year-old taken into custody after a raid near Ensenada, has been identified as the Pozolero, which I believe uh, is a nice way of saying stew maker. Here's the thing. It's like <laughs> the glee that you say stew maker with is <laughs> I, <a> wonderful. <laughs> my whole thing is, first of all, I want to know what industrial chemical that is because that's, un, that's unsatisfyingly vague. I want to know what it is you can just put a body in and it becomes just like liquid immediately. Well, according to the story, it was barrels of lye. Now, now is lye, I thought lye was like a powder or something. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what they always show the guy using it like a... You know, well, I believe you can have powdered lye or liquid. You can liquid. Or am I thinking of lime? What is that thing that in movies it's lime always like... Lime is always dry. Is that what they... Like, there's always the serial killer at the... I need some rope and a gun, some masking tape and some lye. Lye is the stuff uh, that... Uh, uh, Brad Pitt uh, made the uh, scar with in uh, Oh right, right, okay. Club, right. They use it in soap. Okay, all right, fair enough. All right. But yes, and and they also did say I believe that it would take uh, a week or more for the body to completely dissolve. Doesn't seem like it was in a high traffic part of town though. Well, seems well for one thing you would you really wouldn't want to be uh, dissolving corpses in an area with a lot of foot traffic. No, there. probably not. I mean that's going to a little out of the way. You want some privacy. privacy. That's so you want a bungalow for that sort it of thing. It also probably doesn't smell very good. Either so no, no, I would imagine it doesn't. The neighbors might be complaining. Uh, but anyway, uh, yes, he uh, he uh, was identified as the fellow who liquefied the bodies for victims of lieutenants of the Ariana Felix drug cartel. Authorities say he laid claim to stuffing 300 bodies into barrels of lye and dumping some of the liquefied remains in a pit in a hillside compound <laughs> in eastern Tijuana. <laughs> Uh, here's the thing. I'm so glad you're here because that way I'm not alone and sort of giggling at this and finding it all just, it's just, you know what it is? It's, it, I think George Carlin, uh, who as always said everything, uh, uh, he said everything as best it could possibly be said. He was talking about all of the, I think he was specifically talking to about, about the post 9-11 sort of vibe in America and just how we were, we'd suddenly gone nuts with our paranoia and fear and security and trying to make everything safe. And he's like, you know, if it's safe for everybody, he's like, the world can't be made safe. You just have to accept this. But he, he was talking about how you, you can give up all the liberty and freedom you want. And, it's, you know, you're, you're, some guy wants to blow you up. It's still going to happen. And you're just going to have had a more dull life leading up to the blowing up. So he, he, I think he actually said, he goes, you just need to accept that there's a small group of devoted individuals who are going to make this planet an interesting and explosive place for a long time. And that's what I think about with this guy. Like... You know what? The whole we didn't even know this. This story came out about a month ago. You know what? The past, we've been doing the show here in Portland, one variation of it for eleven years. I don't know when this guy started making his stew, but I mean, for probably a good third of the time that we've been doing the show here every day, coming in talking about this and that and every other thing. Guy boiling people and making them into a paste in Tijuana. You know, it's just part of. He's one of the little tide pools in the great ecosystem that is the ocean of life. 
I and, and again, it it is a, a terrible tragedy that people's uh, family members disappear as part of the drug wars in uh, Baja California. But again, a guy uh, dissolving the bodies in uh, barrels and dumping them and calling himself the stew maker. Yeah, that's just funny. I wonder if he had business cards made up. You know, that was like sort of him. I see him above like a bubbling cauldron, giving like a thumbs up, like one of those. <laughs> Like one of those, you know, like Chico's used automobiles, you know, best rights in town, you know, or whatever. Late night infomercials. Seriously. Until you've tried the stew maker, you haven't dissolved a body. <laughs> Except no imitators. I've tried other stew makers, and i found that they did not produce satisfactory results, which is why I am glad that I went to Tijuana to the one and only licensed stew maker. He has given me service that I could never have anticipated. If you have a body that needs dissolving, I highly recommend that you talk to the stew maker. Every voice you do is like the nice guy. Yeah, it's all the nice <laughs> guys. Dissolving your own bodies is hard. And then there's a woman, and she's, like, trying to dissolve the bodies. Oh, and she spills the lie on herself. <laughs> there's, like, half half of the legs are sticking out, and there's, like, a hand, and the dog runs away with it. Have you tried dissolving bodies yourself at home? It never goes right. Something's always happening. And then it shows, like, her mother comes by, you know, and knocks on the door unexpectedly, and, you know, her daughter's in, like... You know, cold creaming curlers, ooh, and dissolving a body in the kitchen, and there's a head sticking out. Professional body disposal can be expensive. You'll never have to deal with this again. We should stop. We're horrifying, Sarah. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Perhaps it's time for the new improved Obama one. Oh, oh, wait, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, I now give you uh, your inaugural Obama watch. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. That is the X-Men singing, yes, Barack you like a hurricane. Oh, I couldn't hear that. I thought it was just like Rocky. Like oh, no, no, no. Like, I don't get Barack it. It's, like no, it's full of, I'll play it again here. Pat, it couldn't wait. He, I, I told you, he sent me three emails this morning. Got to the office and there was just a whole stack of you. Get to my office now. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. Scorpions fans know, Sarah. By the way, now these headphones aren't working. I only have like one ear that I can hear out of. Have you thought that maybe it's you? You have some sort of a temporal distortion field around your head? It's not a tumor. Maybe your head is filled with magnets. <laughs> All right. Ladies and gentlemen, here's uh, Don Taylor with your uh, Obama watch. An aide to President Barack Obama indicated that Obama will take quick action to lift the eight-year ban on embryonic stem cell research, Reuters reports. The research, controversial because opponents view harvesting the cells as destroying potential life, involves, quote, the most basic human cells which can develop into any type of cell in the body, according to the report. Such research could lead to treatments for people with spinal cord injuries, Parkinson's disease, and many other debilitating conditions. People can argue about where and when human life begins all day and never reach... What? Is this an actual news story? And it says... Okay, okay. People can argue about where and when human life begins all day and never reach any reasonable conclusion that can be used as a guideline for when it is appropriate to take advantage of stem cells to further scientific research, writes Brendan Hart 
of the sequitur.com information. I, I just Googled news. Barack Obama just pulled the first thing. Like, it was just re- so we could, wow. It was really just an excuse to it. I, <laughs> I mean, that's it. I mean, really, that's the whole reason we do that's news totally at all. Totally my fault. I didn't even oh, read apparently this. Apparently, this is yeah. Apparently, this is actually an opinion piece because he's, he it, later he says, "I if that sounds heartless or incompassionate, I'm fine with that." <laughs> But it is a disservice to human life not to take advantage of the opportunities such research could provide us. I, for one, am excited to see the new administration advancing scientific discovery rather than bending to the sometimes irrational moral leanings of a vocal special interest group. Rick Emerson wishes that we had picked a different story to use for our Barack Obama news. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've just... Brandon Hart, you are on my list. Well, by the way, and, and are you the... Uh, and and I, I don't probably... disagree with what he's saying, by the way. It's just the way he says the it. The best part, though, is that like his sentence is all put together wrong. The grammar's completely incorrect. And then his website is the sequitur. Not the non-sequitur. <laughs> no, the sequitur. Actually, the sequitur. So, there you go. So, sequitur. I barely knew. Right? Okay. Yeah, okay. All right, well, there you go. There's your uh, inaugural Obama watch. It was worth it just for the song. It was. The guy really sells it, too. There you go. Sarah's not feeling know. it. I am not. I'm, it needs more Scotty Jaying. Everything needs more like Scotty Jaying. I want the Barack Obama or do something you, with do, it. Or, and those, all those jingles, like the Obama. Do you feel like it's not clear enough that if he's saying not, Barack? I'm completely confused. It also doesn't really rock. It doesn't really rock. It's well, it's like one of those like studio produced covers that's supposed to sound like the original song. No, but no it I'm doesn't. a sad panda. No, I think that's a good first attempt. No, that's fine. All right. Well, you know, it doesn't, here's the thing. Well, you're you not, didn't do anything. I mean, so that's why I'm not like. You're not breaking here. my heart. You're breaking Chris Paddock's heart. So Chris I'm, Paddock broke my heart when he tried to do Lost in 90 seconds. It's payback time. M.S. Productions. Obama. This one does have a certain alarm to it. I still love this one. There you go. All right. Uh, here's Don Taylor, ladies and gentlemen. The Guinness World Record for longest fingernails was broken on Wednesday, uh, uh. so to speak. The fingernails Salt Lake City resident Lee Redmond has been growing since 1979 were broken off in a four-car pileup Wednesday, <laughs> said Salt Lake County Sheriff spokesman Don Hudson. Redmond was a passenger in one of the cars in the, the 1.30 p.m. crash. She and at least two others were taken to a hospital with minor injuries. She was ejected from the vehicle. Redmond's nails were 33 inches long when the Tribune last interviewed her in 2007. She was 66. In a 1995 article, she said she once turned down $10,000 to trim her nails on Japanese television. She also died from massive internal hemorrhaging. So she did die? No. No, no. No, she died. Minor injuries, but the, uh, the, according to Guinness World Records, the nails were measured at a total length of 28 feet, four and a half inches. Here's the thing about that. First of all, there's no pun that I can come up with. Secondly, Salt Lake is a weird place because it's always some, you know what it is? It's always like a Persian guy. I mean, every time, like, you see somebody with the world's longest whatever that they've just let grow forever, it's always some guy who looks like Mandrake the Magician. It's, and maybe I'm just saying that because growing up reading that, that uh, Guinness Book of World Records, which as a kid you find fascinating because it's got those, like, the big weird twins on, the, on, the, on the, 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 the motor scooter. But they would show this guy in the Guinness Book of World Records when I was a kid who had the world's longest fingernails. I mean, it grosses me out to even think of it. It's not like I got some fingernail thing like Aaron's no. deal about hair or whatever. 
Have I mean, you ever seen the guy with the like, longest fingernails? Yeah. Have yeah. you ever? Well, you a picture of this curl. curl. Yeah, they curl up. That's what freaks me out, by the way. Like it would almost be, it would almost be better if they were just sort of straight out. Well, like, but so, hers, yeah, like, you can just see there, they're like just, Wolverine, they're kind of curling around like, like plants growing. Seriously, out of the, a the, the, she basket. Exactly. Do you drive a gray Highlander? I do. Okay. Are you blocking somebody? Yeah, Richie, Richie has my keys. Richie, go take care of that. Miss Taylor's Thanks, not to be Richie. spoken to. Because that parking lot was just a nightmare when I got here. Don't look Miss Taylor in the eye. Uh, yeah, this woman. No, you're right. It, she looks like some sort of a Venus man trap or something. You know, it, it's just it's all. And she's crazy, by the way. I'm looking at her right now. I mean, apart from the like the fingernails, I think would it too. You can't have a man with fingernails like this. When I lived in Los Angeles, you would occasionally go into a store, and there would be like a. Uh, uh, somebody working in the store behind the counter with nails like that. And, you know, I, honestly, and I, I don't mean this in any kind of a racist sense. It's like a cultural thing. They were always black women. And they would have these insanely long fingernails to the point of like, oh, I know. starting to curl Oh, no, under. I told it like the Velociraptor. And, and like, then they're yeah. trying to work the register. And you're saying they're going... Maybe a stick Why in your teeth. Why do you think that's a good idea? No, no, no. I no, I totally know what you're talking about. And they're always and they're like really uh it, it, like always very like garish, like yeah. yellow or something. And no, no, no. I told, and here's the thing. And every time, because I've seen that occasionally too. Or painted like some bright color with like rhinestones glued to them and stuff like. And and let's let's just be honest. Like I mean, their we'll just, art cars attached like, to their hands. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a whole series of exhibits from Lowrider magazine, but on your fingers. <laughs> Um, well, and let's just let's just be honest. We'll just call this what it is. That I mean, there's all kinds of cultures that can get away with things that whitey cannot. That's true. This is many many things uh, that the white man cannot do uh, in terms of fashion because it just looks bad. But I have totally seen that where it's like the black women who have the huge. It, 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 but and I always they'll think of whatever his name is from Jurassic Park. The guy Sam Neill. Yeah. Where he's he's talking about fat little bastard at the beginning who's either a boy or a girl and I can't quite tell and he's like and then he slashes you here or whatever and he's like how like telling the kid of the raptor's gonna like spill out his intestines on the ground but they look exactly like that but then they've got like little rhinestones you know what I mean so I totally see and then, but then you think There's yourself a raptor with bling exactly and then you think to yourself like if you had to open like a can of tuna fish or something like how is that gonna work I so I I don't really know the answer to that. Anywho, reminds me of that episode of Oz, uh, where um, which I only watch for a little while because it's like, how many rapes in the shower can you really see before you're just like you've seen it, you know? If you've seen one, you know, if you've seen one Aryan Nations guy brand and rape another one in the shower, you've you've kind of seen, you know, kind of seen all of that. But there was this episode where what's his name, Tobias, blah blah blah, the guy that uh, the red-haired guy who was the red-haired guy who was raped by the guy who plays the yellow Eminem. You know what I'm talking about out there. Um, but uh, but there was this. There was this <laughs> Don Taylor does not know what Rick Emerson is talking about out there. It doesn't matter. I just have this image in my mind now of a guy being raped by a giant M&M. <laughs> Let's all ponder you that. Your mo- <laughs> what is wrong with Let's you? Let's all ponder that for a moment, shall we? Or just sort of... Hmm? Oh, wait. That's not a... That's, that music doesn't work at all. I was trying to think of... Um... Now I'm thinking of a guy being skinned alive by a giant M&M. <laughs> You're really weird. There's something, there's something not right about you. What is the? I'm trying to think of uh, what would work for uh, that, that raping scene. <laughs> like a real vigorous raping. Like it, like it'd be like the old Keystone Cop silent film where the action's all spasmodic. All or right. like Benny Hill running around chasing after nurses trying to rape them. Okay, you've gone too far. <laughs> all right. Anywho. <laughs> 
we'll just we'll finish here in a moment. Uh, but there was this there was this episode of Oz. Where I watched us. You shouldn't. It's a. It it's will. Sad. It, 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 I watched like I watched one episode of it, and there yeah, there was some raping. Yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing. It, it's like it was so. It's not even that it was dark. I can take dark. I really can. I mean, and uh, you know, Laura will tell you that that's the difference. Is that she can take really dark novels, and and I can take really dark films and TV shows. You know, like at the end, I want everyone to get cancer, and then the dog is run over, and then the planet explodes, and then like that's a perfect Rick Emerson film. You know, and then Jack Lemmon can't get the money to help his daughter, so uh, because I don't like you. So that's that. I'm fine with that. It's just that Oz became really, it was just became so formulaic, and I mean, it really was like, you know, prison fight, prison, prison, rape, rape, prison, oh, rape. Exactly. <laughs> but then, it, but but then they would like have to throw in like the cherry on top of some horrific, some her. It was like Friday the Thirteenth, where the whole thing is like, what wacky kill can Jason do? But on Oz, it was like, what effed up thing can Tom Fontana come up with to have one character do to another in Oz? And there was this episode. Where there's like, and I forget his name, Beecher was his name, the character's name. And he's sort of a sympathetic character who gets thrown in jail because, you know, wrong place, wrong time. And then then it's just nothing but sodomy and beating. And he's branded, literally held down. And he has like a swastika branded on his ass by the guy who is the voice of the yellow M&M. And then the first time I heard that voice coming out of an M&M, it scared the holy bejesus out of me. Have an M&M. Rip you. But but this guy for the whole episode, on this, this episode of Oz, you just see him... Everywhere he goes, he's just got a nail file, like a kind of blunt emery board. And he's just sort of <laughs> filing his nails in kind of a vaguely gay way throughout the entire episode. And then, which you should have seen coming at the end, the big it's a denouement of the whole thing. The big resolution is that he goes into the shower where, of course, yes, a man tries to have intercourse with him uh, in an unpleasant way. And what you realize he's been doing is he's just been filing all of his nails to a, like a very razor-sharp point. Ah. And he just like hits the guy across the throat with it and just like... And just like slashes the guy's vein or whatever, which is probably like not even plausible. But that's when I went, I'm done watching this program. I'm not going to watch this anymore. I'm finished. So there you go. Uh, Sarah, uh, because of the whole Facebook thing, I uh, added a, a friend of mine that from that I've known since high school, and uh, he ju we just added each other today. And he wrote on my wall, which I'm not even sure what that means, but I believe this would apply to uh, you as well. He quoted his mother. Uh, how she described me after meeting me for the first time when we were in high school. She says such awful things, but you laugh because she's so funny. <laughs> it's true. It's funny because it's true, Don. All right. We should take a break. Yes. For the love of Jesus. Coming up later. Ooh, hey, we're like five minutes from Mike Nelson. Damn. All right. We come back. We're going to Mike Nelson from Rift Track. We're actually late. Okay, we got a break now. Back after this, Mike Nelson from RiffTracks.com, Don Taylor. Stay there. Don Taylor's, Don Taylor's glasses just fell off her face. Back after this. Rick Emerson Radio Program. It is an excursion into whimsy. Thank you for joining us today, fellow travelers on the road of comedy. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. And I think it's fair to say that Don Taylor is vibrating. I am. Your Facebook status, Don Taylor is vibrating with excitement about... Did you say that Mike Nelson... I'm just trying to embarrass you before we bring huh. him on. Did you say that Mike Nelson was one of your top five imaginary TV I boyfriends? I said number one imaginary TV No, he's not TV number one, one, but he, he is... At, I, I haven't actually ranked them specifically, but he is in the top... Uh, 
stratosphere sort of, of my imaginary TV uh, boyfriends. And sort of the freeform sphere of desire he's definitely exactly. in there. All right. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, uh, former head writer and host for Mystery Science Theater 3000, now maven, mastermind, and overlord at RiffTracks.com, uh, the one and only Mike Nelson. Hello, sir. Hey, how are you? Uh, I am fantastic. It's a, it's a pleasure to speak to you. So before we do anything else, um, I just want to say con- uh, you know, congratulations and thanks uh, from myself and, and a lot of Mystery Science Theater fans for kind of keeping it going at RiffTracks.com. It's, it's, was there any, ever, ever any question in your mind about whether you would do it? Did you always know you'd find a way to sort of keep that, that kind of thing going? Uh, for whatever reason, I, I seem to have been drawn to this thing. I am forever linked with Patrick Swayze-style movies, and uh, I'm happy to do it. I, I, no, I do enjoy it, and, uh, you know, having a wide range of movies to choose from makes it a lot more fun, I'll tell you. And so RiffTracks.com offers downloadable MP3s uh, that you can sync with a movie, contemporary movie. Uh, so it's, it's Because of Mystery Science Theater, it was sort of older stuff that you could that was either public domain or that was uh, sort of inexpensive to license. But with RiffTracks, it can be, for example... Jurassic Park, uh, Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park, uh, which also has Weird Al Yankovic on it, uh, and it's just, uh, it's fantastic. But I- I'm just going to read the, the first sentence here from the blog. This is January 31st, 2009. The blog title is Bacon Stupidity, and it just reads thusly, I'll get right to the good stuff. For the entire month of February 2009, I, Michael J. Nelson, will eat nothing but bacon. Nothing, my friends, but bacon. Um... So, as Dr. Zoidberg might say, uh, why always the baconing? <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, you read it back like that, and it sounds even stupider than when I wrote it. Uh, but, yeah, I've, I've, uh, I've stuck with it. It's going well. It was just, you know, we would put a bacon thing on our blog, just, you know, the tiniest link to something. And then the next day you're moved on and you're talking about something else, and there would be howls of protest. Hey, this isn't about bacon, people would say. And... So I thought, you know, there's a way to just focus on bacon, give everyone the bacon fix that they need, and then, you know, hopefully we can be done with it forever. So this is so this is kind of like when your dad catches you smoking and he makes you put down a carton of Pall Malls in the closet, <laughs> but like it's you with the people. Yes, this is this is aversion therapy, I guess, at its finest. So you, so this is what these 16, 17, how you've been on the bacon diet for 17 days. How much bacon are we talking about every day here? Uh, we're not talking about great amounts. That's the thing about when you go on a low-carb diet. You're, you're not particularly hungry. So, you know, it's not like fistfuls of bacon. And I imagine people see me with, you know, a, a big ring of grease around my face. It's, it's, really, it's really not the case, people. It's just a, a few slices here and there, and that gets me by. By the way, I do like the idea, the sort of new speak you're doing there. You're positioning it as, it's not really an all-bacon diet. It's a, it's a low-carb diet is what it is. <laughs> That's right. I, I'm positioning this. I'm, when I come out with my book, The Bacon Diet, I'll, uh, I'll have to... Uh... I'm, I'm telling you, my friend, right now in America, that's a book that people are waiting for. <laughs> it is time for that book. So you now, this isn't like like tofurkey, turkey, fake bacon. This is like the actual real bacon. Yeah, this that that was one of my rules. There's no way I'm going to sneak in this other... And, you know, I, there's stuff like there's beef bacon, there's there is turkey bacon, but no, this is... This is bacon, bacon. When when you say bacon, people picture bacon, and, and this is bacon. Are you more of a crisp man or more of a uh, firm man in terms of your bacon? Well, when you're eating it for a month, you uh, you have to vacillate between the two just to keep yourself from going mad. So uh, I can take it either way. This is sort of like when you're it's one of those things where the, the relationship guy goes, well, at this point in your life, you'll need to add some things to keep the spark alive. <laughs> 
I'll be dressing up my bacon in little bits of lingerie just to keep the sparks alive. I, I did read on your blog that uh, you did take issue with one particular brand of, of bacon because it was too meaty. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it ended up being like ham. And if I wanted ham, I'd eat ham. I, I want bacon. <laughs> You know, really, it's the, it's it really is the clarity and brevity of these observations that just makes them fantastic. Because you're a man, you're a man who knows what he wants and what he does not want. Uh, so, are you do you have a favorite bacon that you've had so far, like an applewood, a pepper smoked, a, you know, a hickory? Uh, I do. There was a uh, uh, there's a grocery store chain here, Henry's. It's called they call it a farmers market. It's just a an expensive grocery store. And they had a thick slice that met all my criteria, and it was uh, it was very thick. That was good, and it uh, uh, I think it was just hickory smoked, but I don't know. They just did everything right, and so far that's been uh, one of my favorites. I, I don't want to rule yet, but there's also a uh, a European deli near my house, and they make a good double smoked slab bacon that has done very well in my taste test. Uh, we're talking to Mike Nelson from RiffTracks.com. So I. I don't know what the schedule is for when you guys record the riffs, you know, the, the, the tracks for the movies. Is it if we download a, a riff that is recorded during this time period, are we going to be able to hear you sort of <laughs> in the background, you know, like a pit of Sarlacc style as you were sort of watching the film? No, but you should get just a, a light hint of smoky scent off of the track itself. It, it just, just hints of it. Well, Don Taylor earlier was wondering what you smelled like, and I think we now know the answer to that. Um, Among other things, yes. Do you feel like you're... Um, do you feel like your body at some point, like you're going to get to about, I don't know, day 26, and your body's going to, that's it, your throat is just going to close up, it's just going to no more, and your own organs will rebel against you? Oh, my organs have been rebelling for, for some time, but uh, no, the, the thing about bacon, uh, you know, it's a, uh, bacon is your friend, and, and the more you eat it, the more you want it, so it is not, so far I haven't gotten to that point where I'm just going mad. I, I will admit that the cooking of the bacon every single meal, that that's the tedium. I thought you'd have lackeys or minions or something for that. Well, uh, I have a family, but the, <laughs> they don't uh, they don't particularly, I don't know why, they just don't seem as enthused about this whole thing as, as I am. What with all the uh, the death and so forth. <laughs> it's, it's nice to hear, though, that you actually want bacon more the more you eat bacon, because that was my concern, is that it might impact your genuine love of bacon that, that I was worried about that too but uh no you know when when it's time to uh roast the next pan of it you uh you're all set yeah I'm sure it helps too that you're rotating through the many different kinds of bacon it helps keep the variety must keep well and I guess right. I I sort of pictured you just sitting at the end like uh, you know like Lucy with the chocolates coming up the conveyor belt where you're just having oh, I'm so full and just sort of creosote style just kind of shoveling it into your mouth so I'm glad to know that's not the case um Mike Nelson uh from rifttracks.com and by the way that is r-i-f-f-t-r-a-x dot com it is a uh, fantabulous and by the way i want to thank you for making uh revenge of the sith uh, watchable at long last my oh, friend. dear um, dear lord i'm glad you say that it is watchable i i don't think i could ever do it again but yeah it does make for uh, one of our uh, favorite riffs i just, just but one quick question before we wrap this up it, uh, and maybe you can speak to this maybe you can't i have heard this thing forever that joe don baker uh, of Mitchell fame uh, was just like had this thing where he if he ever saw any of the mystery science theater guys about like he was just like going to beat your asses because he was just because he got all like angry about it not to my take my art seriously and he would just had like some blood feud against you guys is that is there any germ of truth to that you know we used to tell it only as hearsay and then it became a uh, it became the truth uh, I once told the story at a critics convention and I'd forgotten that critics and journalists actually do check stories occasionally. 
So about a hundred of them left the room after we we sort of used him as the butt of some jokes and told the story, and then uh, all of them went out and called Joe Don Baker one after the other. And so I think by the fiftieth call, there were quotes of "Yes, I want to you know bury those blankety blank." So yeah, it was true. And then we ended up staying at the same hotel as him once, and we were with someone else, and he was standing waiting for his car as we were coming in. And I actually avoided him because I just thought, you know, I really, I don't want to be punched out by Joe Don Baker. That's no way to end your life. Yeah, exactly. The last thing I see is his fist coming towards my face. <laughs> Excellent. Mike Nelson from RiffTracks.com. Best of continued success uh, in all things, my friend. Thank you so much. Bacon on, my friend. There you go. Mike Nelson. Richie, can you... uh can you pick that up and make sure that all went uh, swimmingly and according to plan there on the warm line that I'm looking at now, hoping that you'll pick it up right now, hoping that you'll pick it up right now, right about now, funk soul brother, right about now. He's probably hung up long ago. Yeah. Yeah, Richie's in the, Richie's in the kitchen. <sighs> and all right, there we go. That's fantastic. All right. Well, how cool was that? That was so cool. All right. Oh. And, and I didn't sound like an idiot. So there you no, go. you sound great. All right. That's now you get uh, Joel Hodgson, you can uh, have a matched uh, pair. Now you more of a Joel uh, or a girl or a Mike girl? I go either way. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Yeah, I. There, it, there is much to love about both of them in completely uh, rather rather different ways. See, that's my thing. Like uh, my friend Joni, she's you know she loves the whole series. As I, that's the thing. I think everybody loves the whole series, but I think everybody does kind of fall on one side of the. And I'm a Mike guy. I always have been, because uh, Joel was sort of. I'm not, I, was, I was sad about the loss of TV's Frank and yeah. Dr. Forrester more than Joel, as much as I love Joel Hodgson, but, it, you know. I, you know, I, the, and then I was watching uh, Freaks and Geeks, and, like, Joel showed up as, like, a like a discotheque DJ or whatever. And, uh, but... Did you ever see his weird prop uh, stand-up comedy that he did? He was actually on no. a, He was on an early episode of uh, Saturday Night Live really? before... Before was it uh, weird? MST3K. Yeah, it was. It was quite strange. No, I and I love the whole series. It, Joel, it's not that it's like stoner humor as such, but it's more whimsical. He has kind of that sleepy guy uh, kind of. Well, I don't know. We're just gonna. And whereas Mike Nelson's comedy appeals to me because it's much more honed and sharp, and it's kind of mean. I mean, like He's Mike a Nelson, wonderful writer too. Oh, his, yeah. his books are so terrific. Uh, yeah. Mike Nelson's Super Mega Cheese, I think, is the one that I've got. So excellent. Well, that's fantastic. I can check that off the list of things to do before I die. Right. And I got to ask him about Joe Don Baker. Yeah. That is, man, and there are episodes I like more than Mitchell, but, boy, you put that in and you'll never go wrong. I mean, that's a, you can go to that at any point. Uh, It's like Manos, the hands of fate. You know, you can just put that in and it's it's never going to, it's never going to steer you in the wrong direction. When I lived in North Portland, every time you drive down Greeley, there's a bar there called Yorgos. And so we'd all start doing the Torgo music. The master doesn't want you to drink here. (laughs) (laughs) You just can't see that and not do the the music. No, and then you hear about that actor who, like, shot himself in the face the day the movie came out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, comedy. Um, Anywho, uh, you know, just real quickly, you know what I do love, though, is the late period Mystery Science Theater episodes that were on the Sci-Fi Channel. And I know a lot of people don't. A lot of people are real purists. Like, once it left Comedy Central, they don't want to know, they don't want to know from that show. But it, it, the stuff they did in the Sci-Fi Network is good because it's, because it's recent movies, first of all. It's something made in, like, 1987. And those are, it's like, you can almost excuse a movie in the 60s for sucking because it's like, what do they know? They didn't know anything. Uh, you know, but it's like, by the time you get to, like, 1985, if your movie is still terrible, especially you've got the money to make it and it's terrible, you... Yeah, there's something really wrong with your filmmaking. I had uh, friends of mine who had uh, young children, and they were all watching MST3K once. And they were watching one of the episodes with like uh, the Brain Guy and, yeah. and Pearl Forrester, and they and one of the kids looked at Pearl and said, 
She's just like Auntie Dawn. And I thought, Sorry. And, and I wasn't sure exactly how to take that. That's but, right. uh, apparently, I remind my friend's children of Pearl Forrester. Let's just uh, let's do this Facebook poetry, shall we, so it can be done. All right. Uh, so this is, I guess this is before the big outcleaning of uh, of Tara's Facebook account at KNRK. I think there might be <clears throat> a couple more in there still. Because didn't she, I'm not trying to beat it. No, no, no it's, actually, it's actually still up. I don't know if. Because here's the thing. We've been doing this Facebook status poetry where we do, Sarah goes through and prints out the Facebook status. A bunch of people that are... You know, people least expect it, so they can't prepare for it. And that are the people who have opted to be friends and to make these visible. Then we read them. And I guess Tara, who is a uh, a, a DJ at, uh, at at KNRK, got all, like, cranked up about the fact that we were reading her Facebook entries. Because who would ever do that, I guess. And so she got, like, progressively more angry about it. Until she made some some snarky comment, apparently, and then just like and in a fit of peak, just deleted it. I'm deleting them all. So anyway, no, I think to be to be fair, I think she was misinformed. Do you think so? I think so. I think that that people were saying that we were talking like because I, I don't think she was told that we were talking about a bunch of other people. And oh, she, she thought it was just her. She thought that it was just her. Well, it was more her than anybody else because well, she updates it every five to minutes. To be fair, as someone who has heard this through the radio, admit it, you're making fun of her. I mean, you are. You're making fun of the fact that she updates so much. Well, it's not just her, though. It's everybody. Well, that's that's the thing. It's like that's the whole bit. I mean, and look, it's not my fault. Because it wouldn't be funny constantly. if people didn't think that, you know, that it's kind of silly. That but it's people... a little disingenuous. But, like, but, well, I can't believe she thought we were making no, fun of but, her. See but, see, but there's a difference. Like, there's, there's not, it's not making fun. I'm not, this is just said for purposes of comparison. This is just said to give it a sense of, like, you know, a sense of contrast. It's not like... I told Sarah this. It's not like we're going like, and she's dumb and ugly, and her mute. Not saying any of those things. It's not like I'm saying, you know, that she's like, and she's a terrible person, and she's all like, we're not, like, we're not insulting her. And she's a perfectly fine person. She's perfectly fine and lovely and talented and all of that. We're like, you know, and that's like, you know, and you know, and and it's just like the entries, but it is a little ludicrous, like the rapidity. Uh, with which they are open. There's just no getting You're around that. You're mocking a quirk. You are not mocking the woman herself. Exactly. Well, I don't really know her. I can't really mock her. Although Sarah knows her, but I don't really I know her. She's cool. So, you know, that being said, let's all calm down, shall we? All right. A better way than with soothing music. I never heard the birds before. I cut off of the... There's like a 20-second thing of like a stream at the beginning where it's like... It's like, you know, babbling broken and whatever. It's very soothing. It's time for another exciting installment of... Facebook status poetry. Amanda rules. I can't believe I see. There you go. That's just starting off on the right foot. Way to begin your day. All right. Uh, David is mapping things. Andy just made and ate the most abominable leftover scramble. Chris is at the Lloyd Center Ice Rink. They're playing Stroke Me on the PA. It's 1983 all over again down there. Awesome. Carol is updating her blog, looking for jobs, drinking her second cup of coffee, wondering where the morning got to. Nate is looking forward to Facebook poetry on AM 970 today. Andy is making lots of stuff with pizza crust dough. Angie is just too damn tired. 
Dustin is doing whatever Landon wants, which is why we're watching Polar Express with our breakfast. Andrew just had some fantastic pepper sauce. Andrew is worried about Simone's bad immune system. Iris is watching the cats. Tara is about to go in the studio. Dennis says, "Boy, am I happy! Boy, am I glad it's Tuesday." Josh says, "WTF? Now a chick is breastfeeding right next to me. What a weird day!" Tara is now on the air. Let the rejoicing and worship begin. Winky emoticon. Dave is unsatisfied, and then later, Dave is also unsatisfied. Schnezel thinks Kenny Powers is God. I am setting TiVo's to record Eastbound and Down on HBO. Tara thinks it's. Pathetic and hilarious that some radio shows need content so desperately they just make fun of other radio shows in town. Jay can't get to sleep. Even the Vicodin and Percocet aren't knocking me out. At least I have a lovable dog. Megan is laughing at her wet cat. All right, there you go. That's today's exciting installment of Facebook status poetry. There you go. Fantastic. Uh, That's delightful. Well, it's what I do. It's one of the many services we offer here, Don Taylor. Shall we resume? Every time I think that bit's going to get old, it never does. It never does. No, because that's the thing. It's just like continually refreshing content. It really, it's like, you know what it is? And once you read just the perfect amount, because it does that Family Guy thing, where it's just like, it starts like, wait, is this getting too long? But it's funny, and like it's getting too long, and then all of a sudden it gets funny again. If there was a radio station that was nothing but that all day, I would listen to it in my car. Really, say that a little louder so Les Moonves can hear it. <laughs> Wait a minute, I got this great idea. Now I was listening to some uh, station uh, in some market we own somewhere. They had the best idea, and it doesn't require people. Uh, somebody is trademarking that idea, like as we speak right now, where it's just a whole. Because have you ever heard a station? They'll call it. Uh, they'll call it. Sometimes you're blowing off an audience or you're, they're blowing up the station or they'll, they're stunting. And it's where they do something wacky when they're changing formats to get attention. Like they'll do, they'll play like nothing but Heartbreak Hotel for three days. Mm-hmm. Or I worked at a station that played nothing but Louie Louie for a week, which is like a living, breathing hell on earth. Um, and it was back before automation. For a week? And I had to sit in the studio and just, you know, <laughs> and here's Louie Louie again, kill me. And, you know, hit play because there was no automation system. Or, you know, stations will just play like... You know, sounds of construction or whatever, because like a new station's coming soon. But I, uh, when I worked at, uh, uh, what the hell, where I was, what hell station even was it? It doesn't matter, I guess. Um, but the, the engineer had built this sort of like one of those Stephen Hawking, like uh, one of these things. The uh, I barely knew her. And it counted down from one million or something, like some <laughs> some insane number. It was like you know, it was like five hundred skillion, and it counted down just constantly to zero. But it's like every tenth number. It would say something random, often a movie line. You know, it would say something like, 
you know, God, you know, like, God bless us, everyone, or, uh, you know, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. And the whole theory was that you would find it so fascinating that you'd probably sit there for like nine days not changing the dial, you know, like waiting to, you know, waiting to hear what the new format was going to be. So not like radio stations haven't experimented with that kind of thing before. Hmm. I mean, you could. I mean, let's be honest. In a certain sort of way, you could, you could kind of hear a, like a. You're listening to Kink FM. I used to We're get, all wearing corduroy. I used to get off work when I worked at Starbucks and when I worked the night shift, and I'd get off work at like 11 o'clock at night and drive home, and there was nothing to listen to on the radio, and I'd turn on Kink, and it would be like, lights out with Kink, and I'm exhausted after like an 11-hour day of like wielding coffee, and I'm driving home, and it's like all, mm-hmm. you know, music, and, and just like... Everything I could do is weave all over the road. Because it puts it like a fugue state or something. Yeah. It totally... Well, you know, because... And I know what you're talking about. It, in Kink, uh, Kink FM, one of our uh, esteemed uh, sister stations and uh, Portland Icon. But it the, the thing about Kink is they do that Kink after... Kink at Lights Out or After yeah. Dark, whatever that, what it's called. But it is literally just like... It's just like whirring noises or something. Well, it used to be this really soothing music that you could actually fall asleep to. Except now they break in with commercials. So, which kind of, I think, destroys the whole point of, of you know, kink lights out. So because it's, now it's like, oh, I'm relaxed, I'm relaxed. And now there's an ad for the Shane Company. They're like, oh, duh, now, I'm, now I'm not relaxed anymore. Although, let's be, that's like the best. One second. <laughs> Are you having a weird throat thing? I have like a thing where it's like, that again, that thing where it's like there's a popcorn kernel. Me, I in feel my, the same way. Rick Emerson is suffering instant karma for making fun of Tara. So, but there was that music from the hearts of space, and it was on, like, whatever, like OPB, or, you know, like public radio stations or something. And it was, it, it, and they would do that, this guy would come on with that kind of Art Bell, king, you're, the kingdom of Nye awaits. And the guy would say, this is music from the hearts of space. And then it would just be like this for like seven hours. And it would, and, and occasionally they would get to some song uh, some, where it was like literally a guy had fallen asleep on one key on the keyboard. And it was like a middle, you know, just. And it would just be that, which I guess was supposed to like bring you into some sort of. It sounded like so one of those. This was like for people who just wanted to smoke pot and stare at. You know, their Emerson, Lake, and Palmer posters. Yes, yes, that's exactly what it was for. It was. It also sounded like, have you ever heard one of those uh, those hypnosis tapes? But it's not the kind where they're, like, walking you through it. It's the kind that's subliminal. Where, you're like, like, if you can't be hypnotized or whatever, like, you listen to the subliminal tape and, like, it has backward messages or something. And they all sound just like this. And in the background, you can kind of hear a guy going, This is a colossal scam. You're never going to quit smoking. And that's that's and that's all it is, but it's I totally know what you're saying. Where you're driving along, and that's you know they actually tell people if you're driving along and you're sort of fatigued or tired, you're supposed to listen to talk radio under the theory that it'll be like so maddening and just like angering in every way that it'll keep you awake. But anyway, so there you go. Well, we should break here and then come back and do nothing but news, 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 more news than you've ever heard in your entire life. And my exciting email. And your exciting email. Oh, and never, yes, I've heard about the email. We never did tell your gynecological story, Don Taylor. There's no context now. Oh, there's always a context. Does a gynecological <laughs> visit really... gynecological story. Don't I understand the context just sort of... 
Implicitly? Well, but your readers, your, your readers, your listeners, you know, aren't going... There, there was a context for the story weeks ago when I first brought it up, but now it's just... Now it's just a gynecology story. Back after this. Microphone off when you said that. Say it again. Damn you, Don Taylor. You want me to say it again? Well, let me just back up for a second. <laughs> so we've already done our Facebook poetry for the day. Uh, but what did you say Peter Carlin just changed his status to? He just <laughs> changed his status to Peter Carlin is flowers and gumdrops, but no more ice cream. Not for the foreseeable future, anyway. Hopefully. See, do you, and this is really just about everybody, not just Peter, but I mean, that he wanted me to think of this. Do you feel as I do that Facebook somehow accesses some strange part of you that maybe shouldn't always be on display publicly? Like what part of, uh, look, we all know Peter Carlin. What part of Peter Carlin exactly is generating that sentiment? <laughs> maybe he's just messing with people. I think of that, probably that part. Is he? Is that, is that, oh, is that how it's going to be now in, in a post Facebook poetry uh, era? Where everybody, that's, they're all going to be, they're going to be meta about it? That's fine, Peter Carlin. If that's your game. I'm going to Peter's page to see what, are, what the other. Sorry. Did you ever read that article of his? Mm. Uh, see, neither did I. See, now I feel... Oh, and the one from yesterday sad. I was hoping that one of us would have eventually read his article so that we didn't have to feign that like we knew what it was about. I want to read it, though. I've heard that it was awesome. I don't think it's online, though. I think they do this insane thing where you can't read... I think they do this insane thing of making you pay for to read the Oregonian, not giving it away for free. Horse <laughs> barn door. The... Yeah. I mean, so I'm... Anyway, uh, and so forth. Hello, anyway, Dante. Ayla, and the thing I said just off the air was I I don't get Twitter. Twitter <sighs> does is just um, idiotic to me. So because I just think it's stupid, I started a Twitter account for my dog, and people actually keep adding it. I keep getting so and so has added you on Twitter, and all of the updates to Twitter are things like my ass itches, <laughs> and I like food. <laughs> Mailman's here. Yeah, and that's all it is. So, but people uh, keep adding it. Well, Twitter is one of those things. Here's the thing about Twitter is that it just, as I understand it, it is, and, and I know that I sound woefully out of touch and like an old guy when I said, as I understand it, this Twitter business lets you, but am I correct in that it is at its base? Twitter is a web page where it shows constantly updated. It is basically a one-stop shopping repository for text messages. It's No, it's right? just the status thing from Facebook, only that's all it is. It's you just... But you do it from your phone, right? I sure. You do it on the you do it on the computer. Do it on the phone. So it's a page. It is basically a page that is nothing but like because it's like a hundred like characters doing, or something. Right? It's like yeah. a real small message. Yeah. So it's just people typing things like you know, my tummy hurts. But is it? But it's not. I, I sure like cookies. Yeah. It's, <laughs> <laughs> There's a lady in a yellow dress across from me on the bus. You know, you just read this stuff, you're like, I don't care. Who cares? <laughs> and, but it's not, is it just from one person or is it an aggregate oh, of multiple people? You add people, like with Facebook, and then you then you can, like, read all these people's Twitter things. So they added your dog Snuckles so they can so they can see what he's up to. Yeah, So and so then I go to, to my dog's Twitter page, uh, Pitbull Bella. Uh -huh. that, that's the Twitter, in case anyone wants to read my dog's Twitter. So what do you do? Go to Twitter.com and yeah. then forward slash Pitbull Bella? Yeah. 
And but something that, like uh, Stephen Fry is on Twitter. Twitter and Stephen Fry is like someone you uh, respect. Well, he's a wonderful, just sort of of crazy uh, bipolar nutball of right, a man, right. and he loves technology, and he loves you know iPhones and computers, and so and he's discovered Twitter, and so he updates his Twitter several times a day. So it's like on, along with all of these other like pitbull what pitbull Bella B E L L A. Yeah, and so and so I. So, so you look like just how I could start start changing my status updates yeah. on the Rick Emerson show page because it's not correctly like directly tied to me. Yeah. So do you feel comfortable like writing things through Pitbull Bella? Sure. Do you feel that Pitbull Bella is the voice Spider for the other Dawn? <gasps> oh, oh, Rick, you got to go there and get that music and read all of these. All right. Hold on a second. Twitter.com. Twitter.com slash Pitbull Bella. Now, so it, it seems like the uh, the Twitter thing, though, Pitbull to Bella, it seems like the Twitter thing is useful if you're all, like I heard somebody say, like if you're, like if you're all at, like uh, if you're all watching People in different places all watching the same sporting event, or if you're all like, you know, like at the same show or I something, like it's you know, sort, of, sort of like a chat room basically, but you yeah. can do it from your phone and your whatever. But but other than that, and but then let me ask you this: Doesn't Twitter almost certainly seem like one of those things that, like, probably by the time I finish this sentence, like corporations everywhere will be like, and we got to figure out this Twitter business. It's all the young people are talking about these days. Find me a way to monetize Twitter. And then all of your your uh, things that you put on Twitter are called tweets. Really, grown people shouldn't talk this no. way. This is this. Ah, never mind. Uh, there's, there's certain phrases that always sound silly coming out of the mouth of a grown adult, no matter how much they try to make them work. Sarah knows exactly what I'm talking about too. Uh, all right, this is the. Wait, hold on. Where's my uh, Where's my music? All right, this is the. <laughs> If I could just uh, make a logistic observation, do you realize that we don't ever get any actual news done when you're here? I'm sorry. I'm not complaining. It's just because it's just because we find ourselves we'll get to the doing feces this. Monkey story. We have to get to the thing we'll about the monkeys. The we'll monkeys. get the feces monkey story. Let's see right. this. So this is the Twitter account uh, for Don Taylor's Pitbull, Bella. Should I start at the bottom or the top? I'll start at the bottom. I think it tells a story. <laughs> Sorry. Once again, the Twitter account. And just real quickly, just by way of a preamble, uh, and I'm not not to dwell, but like for anybody that wonders uh, why we were going and reading just random Facebook status entries as sort of strung together as poetry, or for anybody who was offended by the idea that we might find that amusing or interesting or that some of them don't really seem to... To have any real reason to exist, ask yourself, as you're listening to these, how different any of these really are from a lot of the Facebook status entries you have heard us read. Just roll that little thought around in your head as you're as you're hearing this. Once again, the Twitter feed from Don Taylor's Pitbull Bella. My ass itches. When I lick myself, it makes me happy. I just dreamed that I was being chased by a giant sparrow. Must drink water now and sit next to Mom. What's that on the floor? Is it food? No, it's just fuzz. I'll eat it anyway. Mom is doing stuff with chocolate. 
It smells good. I want chocolate. Why won't she let me have chocolate? Why does she hate so? Hey, a bug. The cat just walked by. I love the cat. I wish the cat loved me. I do not like the orange cat that comes in my yard. I like the brown cat next door. Mmm, water tastes good. Mailman's here. The monkeys cooked pork, and I got pork juice on my kibble. I like pork. I don't know what pork is, but it's the best thing ever. Man, it's cold outside. I'm going to lay on the floor in front of the fireplace. Good dog, they say. Good dog. Oh, I have them all fooled. The monkeys washed my bed. I spent months drenching this thing in my musky, delicious dog scent, and now it smells like soap. Bastards! The cat's giving me the stink eye. She'll get hers. How can they eat so many chips and drop so few of them on the floor? If they're going to make me poop outside, they could at least do something about the weather. It's 34 degrees. I'm a short-haired dog. My three favorite things: licking myself, barking at squirrels. And cookies, in that order, all three at once would be heaven. Oh, food bowl, I love you when you are full, but when you are empty, I am filled with sadness. Why do you taunt me so? Spider on the wall. Cool. I think I'll eat it. There you go. Dawn's face is bright red. There you go. That is the uh, Twitter account for Dawn Taylor's uh, football uh, Bella. What, yeah, what are you going to be embarrassed about, Dawn? It's your dog, not you. Mm. Yes, that's true. That's <sighs> genius. Hey, do you ever ask yourself, we're just talking about Peter Carlin, do you ever ask yourself what part of your uh, psyche is creating all of these observations coming out of the mind of your dog? <laughs> At least I'm not one of those people that actually, like, tell stories as my dog. I, you know, there, there are Internet groups where people, like, talk about their dogs or their cats, and they post as if they, they were their pets. Totally. No, I've seen those. Like, I have, yeah, I know people who have, like, MySpace pages for their dogs, and they'll write back and forth, like, yeah. Hi, Rocky, you want to play with me today? And it's like, that's so creepy. <laughs> <laughs> they took me to the funny doctor in the big moving box today. Like, oh, God, and you just want to go to these people's houses and punch them in the face. <laughs> I'm a big sexless housefrau. I mean, wait, no, I'm a dog. Sorry, sorry, dog, dog. All right. I have a friend that, that he talked about how we should always talk to each other about things that we find embarrassing or, or sort of sensitive, only... Through our cats, you know, like just going, well, you know, my my cat has a problem with you doing that. <laughs> you know, mit, Mittens doesn't like it, uh, when, it when you... you don't don't call before you come over. Is it that Jonathan Colton song where there's this Jonathan Colton song where he has he's a millionaire, I think. And in the Colton song, he has a he has a monkey like like a, like a, that he's trained to be his manservant. So he has a monkey in like a tuxedo that has it like it waits on him hand and foot and satisfies his every his every need and whim. 
But the deal with the song is the guy is emotionally stunted, so every time he has a problem with his girlfriend, he can't talk to her. He puts it all in the monkey. And he's like, the monkey's sorry that he picked a fight in a passive-aggressive way, and the monkey's really sorry that he made you go stay at your mom's for the weekend. Monkey really loves you. Which is totally what, what that reminds me of. So it's kind of this weird sort of very niche kind of craziness shared by only the brightest among us, Don Taylor. <laughs> Let's do some news. This is Don Taylor at the news desk. We have a monkey watch. Ah, it's fantastic. Here's your monkey watch for Tuesday on the Rick Emerson radio program. I'll get mine ready, too, because I think I've got one you don't have. Okay. Right. And, and you might want to get uh, ready with the musical cues here, because officials in Tampa Bay, oh, I, Florida... Oh, I didn't know that that was going to happen just now. Yes. Damn it. All right. Now, did we uh, discover the uh, the actual pronunciation of this sort of monkey? What is the word that of it? I don't... Uh, do we have... Where's the... Sarah, do you have myself? this? What's the word? No. What, do you want to spell it for us? M-A-C-A-Q-U-E. Macaque. There we go. Good. Ah, I think it's the, the sound yeah. you're looking for there. Macaque. Because I would have pronounced it the other way, and it would have sounded dirty. When instead it's like this. Macaque. Excellent. That's from, uh, where is that from, That's sir? a callback. That's from 910. But, I mean, where is that actual sound from right now? It's from the uh, dictionary. That is from Merriam-Webster. Mm-hmm. All right. Officials in Tampa Bay, Florida, are on the hunt for a rhesus macaque monkey that appeared out of macaque. nowhere. <laughs> and has been causing a lot of concern ever since. The reason? The species has a tendency to start throwing feces when it gets upset. The species throws feces? And what fe- what species is it? Macaque. <laughs> the flagon with the dragon? The brew that just... Okay. This simian saga began on Tuesday when someone spotted the primate le- leaping from a tree and running through a parking... Through a parking? Into some nearby brush. <laughs> Uh, wildlife experts have been dispatched with a tranquilizer gun and a bucket truck to try and track the elusive creature down, but so far it's eluded all their attempts to find it. Officials stress there's no real danger to the public, but do note that these kinds of animals, not exactly like the one pictured top left, it says. So these animals, but not the one in the photo. A different one. The one of the photos untar- is being unfairly tarnished, I would say. Have been known to throw some very unpleasant material at people when they get upset. Oh, and who among us have it, really? Well, I mean, really, I mean, you think at this point, I mean, they could have evolved to use tools or something, but I mean, maybe if it, look, if you're on the run, you got to make your own weapons. Yeah, so you use what you got. It's nature's weapon. Make your it's, own weapon. You know what it is? It's nature's, oh, it's nature's napalm, Sarah. It's like a hand grenade from nature. Yes, yes it is. They can also carry certain kinds of diseases, including hepatitis. Yeah, so you don't want to get that in the eye. As the hunt for the monkey continues, so does another search for the place it came from. Police concede they have no idea where the unusual visitor originated or how it got into the middle of a city like Tampa. But they suspect whoever owned it was unlicensed. And like the animal itself is unwilling to come forward. Well, this sort of it raises and a whole... And we'll throw feces at them when the police approach. <laughs> this raises a whole lot of questions. What David Walker was... You know, we have this whole thing about Florida. And, I mean, we're, we're not the first... I think Corolla has talked about this for years. There's just something... Like, when you say where it came from, I just assume that there is, like, a hellmouth sort of thing, like, in the middle of Florida. And it goes right into that place, you know, where, the, like, the things from the mist that took John Lee. Like, they all came out of the same place. There's some weird, just vague sort of wormhole that goes into another world in the middle of Florida and all bad just comes out of there. Like, and that's why it's all, that's why these stories are all in Florida. But it's like, if you were to look at a map and do like concentric circles, 
the further you get from Florida, like the density of these stories decreases because Florida is the ground zero. Like Florida is the origination point for all of this crazy. It comes out of a hole in the ground somewhere. So we need to find that hole and like board it up. Or just as Walker said, just sort of do it where we just sort of saw through this, you know, the, the, that part of the state and just kick it out to sea and just be like, Cuba, you can have this. Well, do you ever read Carl Hyacinth's novels about Florida? And they seem insane because the people are so crazy and there's so much corruption and so much just insanity. But then you read, for example, his nonfiction pieces because he was a columnist for the newspaper there, whichever, the Orlando, whatever it was. And particularly some of the stuff he's written, he wrote a wonderful little book about uh, Orlando and about Disneyland, uh, Disney World, that sort of thing. And apparently, you know, and he is not... He is, he is sort of making it humorous for the purpose of his novels, but it's not far from the truth. Florida is just chock full of crazy. You no, know, it's just it's madness. I Violence mean, and corruption and crazy. There's, have you ever seen this? Um, have you ever seen this movie called uh, Cocaine Cowboys? It's a fantastic documentary called Cocaine Cowboys, which is not not really on the this is not really on the feet he's throwing tip, but it's just sort of the generalized craziness. They, they it, it really it's just about how during the late seventies all the way through like the mid to late eighties. It was just the the DEA was so lax in their enforcement of the border around Florida that it was the easiest place in the country to smuggle cocaine through. And they talked about how just this massive cocaine uh, smuggling operation came through. And the this sort of stuff that then led to the creation of things like, you know, like the TV series Miami Vice was sort of based on this this. A whole dynamic that was happening there where there was nobody was minding the, the store at all. And so you could just bring in like just, you know, just tons of cocaine, like, you know, like in a bag. What's that cocaine? You know, and then, but they talked about even now, if you look at the they were talking about Miami and they said, if you looked at the the skyline of the city of Miami, it was something insane. It was like they showed the skyline from like however far back. And they said, look at all those buildings. And they said. It was some figure like 65%. They said like 65% of those buildings were built like directly with cocaine money. Like there's just like not even like not even hidden or not even laundered all that well. Like they were just built with money from cocaine. And there was just no law. There was no order. There was just no – it was just like this entire uh, – just this entire generation in, in chaos. And I think – I don't think that's an isolated incident. I think it's like the whole place is built on some weird you move the headstones but you didn't move the bodies kind of burial ground. So – is that now? Is that the only monkey story you have? That's the only monkey story I have. Because I got two right here. All right. Let me just uh, let me do parts uh, two and three to this monkey watching. Sure not the break. same one. Well, no. See, that's feces. feces no, not the feces, but the other two that you have. No, no, no. This one is. Well, let's see. Hold on. This one is in Hartford, Connecticut. This one is in Takogama. Which I don't believe is in Connecticut, but I could be wrong about that. And I believe if you want to get technical, these are not stories about monkeys. These will be stories about apes. You know, that's a distinction that only you understand. Anyway, I mean, let's just be honest. <laughs> Can we just call it what it is? I don't really know the difference. Me and Hellboy. Uh, so we have this now from, uh, let's see, we'll do this one. This is from Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, two, again, they have, a, they have a photograph of this, of this uh, chimpanzee that I swear to God, I'll just read it. It doesn't even need any augmentation. A 200-pound domesticated, well, that seems inaccurate right off the bat. A 200-pound, as I'm picturing the chimpanzee, like, pulling out your eyes, a 200-pound allegedly or poorly domesticated chimpanzee who once starred in commercials for Old Navy and Coca-Cola was shot dead by police after a violent rampage that left a friend of its owner badly mauled. Sandra Harold, who owned the 15, I think owned is a bit of an elastic term. I think we saw who owned who there, sister, who owned the 15-year-old chimp named Travis. 
And then they gave me a degrading human name, Travis. <laughs> Who am I to be called Travis? I will not wear the man's clothes. They might as well have called me Joshua. <laughs> so I ate her spleen. Uh, wrestled with the animal after it, quote, inexplicably... It was made to act in old Navy commercials, and they called it Travis. Inexplicably attacked. Makes no sense at all. It's a mystery. After it inexplicably... The animal, which was put on a stage and probably jabbed with sticks and had to, like, dance around like with a Coca-Cola bottle. Made him ride one of those tiny bicycles. Seriously. After it inexplicably attacked her friend, Charla Nash. Nash had gone to Harold's home in Stamford on Monday to help her... Coaxed the chimp back into the house after he got out, police said. After the animal lunged at Nash when she got out of the car, she ran inside to call 911. Did she stay in the house? No. She called 911 because the chimpanzee, which, by the way, a chimpanzee can deadlift a 1,000 pounds, lunged at her. She runs in the house, shuts the door, calls 911, and then returned armed. She retrieved a large butcher knife and stabbed her stabbed the chimpanzee numerous times in an effort to save her friend, who was really being savagely beaten, said Stanford Police Captain Richard Conklin. Um, Nash was in critical condition after suffering what police called life-changing, if not life-threatening, injuries. Her sister-in-law, Kate Nash, said Tuesday morning that Nash underwent surgery and came out of it okay. Conklin said police don't know what triggered the attack. There was no provocation we know of. Uh, Colleen McCann, a primatologist, says chimpanzees are unpredictable and dangerous, even after living among humans for years. In instances like this, you cannot control your be uh, their behavior or present, prevent it from happening in a private home. After the initial attack, and giving him a human name just makes uh, the rest of it so hilarious, even when it shouldn't be. After the initial attack, Travis ran away and started roaming Harold's property until police arrived, setting up security so medics could reach the injured woman. The chimpanzee returned and went after several of the officers who retreated into their cars. Conklin said that Travis knocked the mirror off a police cruiser before opening its door and starting to get inside, trapping the officer. And now I'm picturing the, the weird, uh, the squirrely guy in Jurassic Park who gets trapped into the Jeep with that thing that spits on you. The officer shot the chimpanzee several times, which didn't slow the creature down at all. Travis then fled the scene, but Conklin said police were able to follow the trail of his blood uh, through the house and into his living quarters. Uh, he later died of his wounds. Harold and two officers also received minor injuries. Conklin told reporters the chimp was acting so agitated earlier that afternoon that Harold had given him Xanax in some tea. Conklin also suggested the animal may have attacked Nash because she was wearing her hair differently and wasn't recognized. Oh. The chimpanzee was well known around Stanford because he rode around in trucks belonging to the towing company operated by the owners. Police have dealt with Travis in the past, including an incident in 2003 when he escaped from his owner's vehicle in downtown Stanford for two hours. Officers used cookies, macadamia treats, and tear gas. <laughs> what a combo! That sounds like a fun weekend at my house. To subdue him after he got too tired to resist. It gets so much. I'm not. I'm not even done. 
At the time of the 2003 incident, police said uh, Harold's told them that Travis the chimpanzee was toilet trained, dressed himself, took his own bath, ate at the table, and drank wine from a stemmed glass. He also brushed his teeth using a water pick, logged onto the computer to look at pictures. Someone's crazy. Oh, wow. And watched television using the remote control. When he was younger, Travis appeared on TV commercials for Old Navy and Coca-Cola, made an appearance on the Maury Povich Show, and took part in a television pilot, according to a 2003 story in the Advocate newspaper of Stanford. He'd been raised uh, like a child by, the, like, by this family, said Conklin. He rides in a car every day. He opens doors. He's a unique animal. We have no indication of what provoked this behavior. Apparently with chimps, uh, when they hit adolescence, they can just... No matter how, even if they've been raised by humans their entire lives, they will be docile and sweet and charming as children. And then they'll reach some age, like, I don't know what the age is, two, something, maybe, uh, and where it's like sort of they're easing into adulthood and yeah. they will often just become aggressive. I had a friend uh, in Los Angeles, her boyfriend, uh, I believe they're still together even, um, he was a stuntman and they also did an animal show and they had a chimp and his partner was the guy who handled the chimp and the chimp had always been like adorable and sweet and ran around in diapers and did all the tricks. And they were driving somewhere one day and the chimp was in the back seat. They were on the 405 freeway and just going 60 down the 405. And suddenly the chimp lunged over the seat and bit out a chunk of his ear. Wow. Oh. And that was when they went, well, I guess it's time to do something else with the chimp. And I think the chimp went to go live at one See, of those movie ranches. There you go. That's the thing. You, if the chimp does that, it's time for the chimp to go away. Yeah. You know, the chimp doesn't get a second bite out of your ear. He gets one. That's it. One strike. All right. I'll have to do the third one tomorrow. All yeah. right. There's your monkey watch for uh, Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Show. Jesus, God Almighty. Back after this, kids. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. By the way, this is why I love working here. I find these weird random notes laying around. I think this is in the hallway or maybe the kitchen or something. This is a note, and I can tell that this was a note that was written during a show. It was written while somebody was on the air because it's on the back of like a piece of scratch paper. Like they'd just taken something and they'd scribbled something on the back. And because we, you know, we're all in one room here, so it's not like we can do... You know, we can't do like a closed circuit thing where like I can whisper something in Sarah's headset or whatever. Like we, we either have to read lips or like we have to do like, you know, online. You have to email each other even though you're in the same room or you just write a note. So this is a note that somebody obviously wrote and then shoved across the counter at somebody else. It says, there's a new sleepaway camp. Return to sleepaway camp on DVD. <laughs> and my thing is like, okay, fine. Sleepaway camp is one of the gnarliest movies. But it's like who, like what discussion was happening? Look, here's the thing. Here's the thing. It wasn't for this show. And so if it wasn't for this show, who was discussing this and why was this information so crucial that, like, it had to be hurriedly written down and shoved into the hands of somebody? I mean, you know, not that I care. I'm glad there's, I'm glad there's a new Sleepaway Camp film. I'm just saying. Do you remember the original one? Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. With the toilet killing? That was really gross. I uh, No, my friends and I, like a lot of teenage boys, I think, uh, do this, where we would go, th- we went through this phase where we would just, uh, on a Friday or Saturday night, we would go to, like, the local, uh, you know, beat-down video store. And this is a thing where Don Taylor and I could probably just, because uh, I didn't mean to no, do No, but like you a- would, like, latch onto one horror movie and watch it over and over again? Well, that or just, uh, it, it, we would do this thing. i got to stop and i got to organize my thoughts. Just as a side note. I don't know, uh, Don Taylor, you write for Film.com. Is there DVD news this week to discuss? Um, a little bit. Okay, so we should do that, actually, uh, here before the hour is done. Okay. Also, By the way, just as, as a complete others, when I first came in here, I had the headphones that were, like, broken, right. that had been put down as if they were okay, and then I had these that only one side was working, and I just picked them up, and the side that wasn't working came off in my hand because it was stuck on with scotch tape. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the world of radio. That's, uh, we're doing more with less, Don. Apparently so. So, uh, you know, that's... Uh, oh, good. The, the side that was stuck on with, side, with scotch tape was the one that was actually working. Yeah. Well... So I can either hold it to my ear like Gary Owens, or I can have the headset on that doesn't do Don, anything. Don, those bonuses aren't going to pay for themselves. Corners <laughs> have to be cut, all right? Look, I mean, really, there's... Commissions have to be paid. Uh, so, but, but I would do this thing like a lot of guys, where we would we would go to the local beat-down video store, which was all, like, with the bad beaded curtain, and the carpet was all, like, threadbare and whatever, and we would just buy, or not buy, but we would rent, like, six terrible horror films, more than we would probably get watched. We'd get, like, you know, two and a half done, and then we'd all fall asleep, or we'd, you know, whatever, uh, but, uh, or we'd go upstairs and, like, you know, like, we'd rifle through, like, you know, the, the guy's, like, his sister's underwear drawer or something, you know, just, like, whatever, you know, Ew. like, weirdo teenage boys do. You know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about, but it's... So we would just watch these awful horror films, and they were all... And you didn't have anything to go by. You could just go by the back of the box. So it would just be like, ooh, scary movie. Like, scary movie, a scary movie, a scary movie. And yeah, there was no internet. There was no Wikipedia. And so you'd be like, what's this? Nail Gun Massacre. Sure, great. What's this? Return to Horror High. Fine. Uh, what's this? April Fool's Day. Great. And it just, you know, you go in there, you rent them all, and they're all terrible. They're all bad. Uh, you know, and that's the thing I kind of miss now. I miss bad horror films that were bad sort of unintentionally. And it just seems it's not really remember the same. And I do miss... And then we'll talk to uh, Ricardo Torres here from uh, GameSpot magazine. But I, I, I'm going to say that the, I miss the 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 um, the lone rent video store. I really do. I miss the old ass, grimy, grubby video store. I don't know like a porn store. I mean like a video store that just it was like it had that one display bank of tapes that were in the front window and they were all bleached up from the sun because the guy never bothered to change them and like there'd be a poster that like was half shaded and so half the poster was faded and half wasn't and it was always for like the eliminator starring lyle alzado you know it was just some awful film it's just you just can't get that anymore there's no a little spoiled by that because and this story is going to definitely give away how old i am finally you know the big secret that i've kept for so many years but um I grew up, uh, my hometown's Manhattan Beach, California, and our cool video store that we had in Manhattan Beach was Video Archives, the store that Quentin Tarantino and Roger Avery worked at. So you could go there and you could get all the crappy movies, but they also always had really cool movies playing on the big screen TV yeah. in the corner, and their uh, their staff picks uh, shelves were just insane. Yeah. So it's they're really and there's really no. Which I guess is fine. I mean, it's just the way things were. It is the evolution of, of media and of the economy and whatever. So you replace, you know, one cool thing with another cool thing. I totally get that. But it's just... Uh... But, but yeah, I was, I was introduced to horror films by my first husband, who was quite a, kind of an aficionado of them. And so we would get them, and he'd, he'd be the one to lecture me. like, this is Dario Argento. And yeah. he did this and this and this. You know, he's the one we, for, we went to see uh, Evil Dead together. You know, we'd go see That's these love. movies together. 
And uh, so I just got this kind of schooling on the the, the West Craven, the you know the you know the Sam Raimi, the in, whatever. In other news, John Taylor had a first husband. I did, I did. I am actually on my second husband. Uh, I, because again, I am seventy-eight years old. Before we uh, bring on Ricardo Torres, will you? Those headphones over there might work. Oh, are there other headphones? There's like a third pair. Those sure. might actually work as well. Those like cheesy Walkman headphones right there. Oh, you might try those because that there's okay. a there's an eighth inch jack and a quarter inch. So I'm saying you're playing with this like the no, those are never going No, you should just throw those away. Don't uh, don't yeah, those aren't you, those shouldn't be used. All right. Uh, it is uh, the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show from GameSpot, uh, editor in chief and stylish man about town, Ricardo Torres. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. How are you today? I am good. A little under the weather. That's okay. The magical rain, but I'm good. Well, you know what? There's uh, now where are you where are you at physically? By now, where are you based at? We're in San Francisco. All right. See, so it, yeah, it's like what. Here's the thing about San Francisco is it's like one big, uh, it's like a terrarium because everything there is like enclosed and damp all the time, uh, you know, sort of like Seattle. So everything is just sort of, uh, there's just all kinds of, uh, at any given point, uh, Ricardo, you're surrounded by uh, spores that are just waiting to get into your body and wreak havoc on your immune system. So have fun with that. Yeah, I, I'm totally feeling it today, but I'm good. Um, I We should say, actually, in terms of full disclosure, I am, this is by sheer coincidence, I really didn't plan it this way. But it was just, like all guys, I just have a massive pile of black T-shirts that I wear at home. And the one that I'm wearing today, because it was on top, is my new shirt from the game Left for Dead. Uh, and it actually has, on the front, it's just a big skull. And it has this thing, it's almost like a Zen koan. It's almost like a Buddhist thing. It's a skull, and then it just says, there's no punctuation, it just says, You are dead. You will be rescued soon. Which is almost sort of like a, there is no spoon, you will achieve transcendence uh, kind of a thing. But... But I'm a huge uh, fan of first-person shooters. That is the kind, that's the video game genre that I, I just uh, fell in love with at a certain point, and that's that's kind of where I spend the bulk of my time and money a, as a gamer. And I just, it, I mean, it's, it's a tall order, but I mean, just I don't even know. I guess it's Wolfenstein 3D that is generally thought to be maybe the first one, or the first mainstream one. But I I don't even know if that's true. Where did it Where did it all kind of start? Okay, Wolfenstein. Okay, if you want to talk about the ones. That really got on people's radar. Then you know you always want to talk about uh, Wolfenstein and Doom and stuff like that, because those are the ones that became extremely popular with the masses. It finally, was something that everybody could get behind. But if you want to get super super obscure, <laughs> there's um, the two earliest that I can think of uh, are Maze War and somebody else on my staff when I was talking to them about. Um, you know, the chat we were going to have today mentioned a, a game called Spasm, which um, I have looked up on the Wikipedia, and it's kind of insane. It's kind of a, a flight simulator that had first-person perspective. But in, in terms of the, the origins of stuff that you could run around and shoot, eh, you want to go with Wolfenstein. That's good. And if, uh, I've read the book Masters of Doom, which is a, a really, really great look at the rise of id software and sort of by using id software and uh, they talk about you know the evolution of the gaming industry and it, i mean it's so weird when you look back at just a huge uproar just the absolute furor about uh, a game uh, like wolfenstein 3d or even more so doom whereas doom was just going to be the end of civilization and i think it was on doom 3 for the xbox 360 that actually one of the bonuses where you could go back and play the actual the original doom and I hadn't done it for years. I hadn't played it for forever. And it seems so quaint. I mean, it's still very compelling, though, but it's, it's very quaint in terms of the graphics. And it's just, it's staggering to think of how far 
we have come. But it does seem like it seems like at a certain point they're going to run out of ways to be, you know, walking around with a huge gun in front of you, kind of shooting at stuff. It it seems like it ought to get exhausted at some point, but it it, it hasn't really. No, I think the beauty of of games is that they're constantly renewed by new blood, right? Because at this point, what you're finding is a whole kind of generation of people that are kind of in our age range that grew up playing these games and really have that special kind of love that you can only have by having kind of grown up with them as part of your life. And now, you know, people in our in our range are making these games. And so in a lot of ways, this is the ultimate fan fiction, right? So it's like there are people out there that grew up playing games and maybe had these dreams for it would be so awesome if a game did this. And now they can now they've actually got access to resources, you know, if if they lived properly and studied well, um they can actually create this stuff and there really is no kind of running out of ideas when you've got people coming up being inspired by what's what's on now. Like I'm sure Left for Dead is inspiring some people as we speak. To, to dream up something new and crazy to do. And we'll, and we'll talk more about Left 4 Dead here uh, in a second, because actually of the three people that are currently in the room right now, uh, two of us play Left 4 Dead. And in fact, I was actually just talking to a friend of mine, my friend Aaron, got, I mean, I think he sort of uh, lied to himself about the other reasons he got a 360. He's like, I can access Netflix with it, and I can also, I can get things from Amazon, and my wife can play Beautiful Katamari. But I mean, it really, I think, is just because he wanted to play Left 4 Dead, and he doesn't have a PC, and so he figured that was the way to do it. So he actually got... He got the Xbox on Friday, and he had ordered Left 4 Dead, and it was going to arrive today. So probably as we speak, he is staring at the office clock, just waiting to go home and just to, to get his zombie kill on. And so we'll, we'll talk more about that. But when you look back at the, the evolution of the first-person shooter, what are the real high marks to you? What are the games that are the kind of the standard setters over the past, uh, you know, whatever, 15 years? Well, I think for the for the early part of that stuff, you know, you can almost think about it as like the Wolfenstein era, the Doom era, and they pretty much set the standard for a while in terms of what you could expect. And people started having fun with the genre because they got comfortable developing for that stuff, right? They they kind of wrapped their head around the whole notion of the first-person shooter. And, you know, you saw something like Dark Forces, which, hello, Star Wars nerd, um, being able to run around and shoot stuff in the Star Wars universe was awesome. Uh, and then there was Duke Nukem 3D, which put a whole, it put a whole different spin on things because up until that point, so many of these games were pretty serious, you know? Well, you know, as serious as that stuff gets, you're, you know, fighting Nazis right. and, and zombies and demons in space, whatever. But I mean, there really wasn't any leeway for humor in there other than dark humor. And then you got something like Duke Nukem, which was, kind of post-apocalyptic bizarreness that had, like, strippers, and it just kind of had just a lot of stupid things in there that were almost like social commentary that were really funny. It was like this weird, uh, it was like this weird Evil Dead meets Leisure Suit Larry uh, kind exactly. of a thing. Uh, and, and all, like, the weird secret stuff you could see um, that was pretty hilarious. I mean, I just remember, again, you said you were playing this stuff, and you thought it was really quaint to see some of those old games. And I just remember the uproar. In Duke Nukem, when if you you know if you sort of went through the area the right way in this one particular movie theater, you could sort of fire up the projector and get sort of a, a saucy movie on screen, and you know and have sort of like ladies of ill repute uh, to interact with and whatnot. It was just really funny because you would think that at that time they were like murdering kittens. Well, and, and speaking of murdering kittens, uh, is not a direct uh, parallel to what I'm about to say, but there's but when Bioshock. 
came out. I don't know. I there was a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a sort of swirl of discussion about it because I guess there. And I actually haven't played Bioshock, so I don't really know. But I guess you totally should. Yeah, and it was already told me. Everybody's like, dude, you need to be playing Bioshock. Come on, because I at the time was playing a lot of this game Black, and Black was great except that it had just these unbelievably like these interminable cutscenes that you just could not skip and were just completely pointless. And everybody's like, screw that, play Bioshock. And I guess they're not actual kids. They're like zombie, evil, robot, well, demon children super or something. Technical, but... They are little girls that have a parasite in them that has, you know, kind of taken them off the deep end a little bit. So they're a little insane. So you can feel good about, you know, about doing what needs to be done with them. Well, I mean, you have a moral choice because <clears throat> to, loop, to loop back around, I think the way first-person shooters have evolved has been – in the early part of, of kind of the genre, it really was just about running around and shooting people, <laughs> you know, in single player and multiplayer. And then people started to play around a little bit with the formula and you started to see a lot more innovation happen in the multiplayer stuff because there was a whole notion of team play and kind of capture the flag and those kinds of games that required you to kind of play with a group of people. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, if you've ever played capture the flag, Depending on the breakup of your, you know, the makeup of your group, it's either, you know, you have like the one little rock star that's like, look, I'm going to get the flag, everybody cover for me, I'll right. see you on the other side. I mean, there is an actual true collaboration. Uh, but what's, what's happened is over the years, you know, you started to see something like Counter-Strike that was a, that's been like a juggernaut for too long, I think. Um, where it really did encourage people to kind of play in organized groups and to really work together, um, people started to get a little tired of just the running around killing people thing. And the stories became, I think, kind of interchangeable. It's like, oh, it's me against a horde of whatever. That's And that's they were, sort of, yeah, the stories were sort of simultaneously, like, uh, way too elaborate, but as you said, it was also very generic. And I think that kind of the high watermark of the... Um, a game that had gone in a certain kind of direction and reached a dead end, at least for me, and I think for some other people, was Doom. I remember when Doom 3 came out. And it was, everybody was so excited about Doom 3, and Doom 3, which, of course, is legendary, you know, in software, and it's, you know, the, it's, the franchise is back, and it's these amazing graphics. But A, it was just so grim and bleak, and as you said, like in a post-Duke sort of Nukem world, it was, there was just no humor, there was no, there was no texturing to the tone, and I think after, and the other thing about uh, about Doom Three, I don't know if I'm the only one uh, that had this experience, but it would actually freak me out so badly that it became just too stressful to play. Like I had a difficult day, go home, I'm gonna blow off some steam, and oh my God, there's spiders with human faces, and I would just turn off the Xbox and go read a book for a while. I just couldn't take it. Yeah, well, I mean, then I mean you're 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 kind of a kind of a wuss, but that's cool. Okay. <laughs> wow. But, um, okay. You know the the funny well thing done. is once. People started to kind of get a sense of, you know, hey, this is all the, the same thing. Developers started to kind of play around with the formula again. And you look at something like Bioshock, which, you know, it's kind of a first-person shooter experience, but the big deal about it is there's this really kind of cool story. Like, if you didn't have the patience for some of the cinematics and some of the earlier games, this could drive you to distraction. But what's really cool about Bioshock, for example, is that it's so atmospheric you're in like this crazy underwater utopian city, you know, and you're finding out what happened because you kind of, you're a survivor of a plane crash and you're walking around and everything's jacked up. There's crazy people everywhere and you're just trying to stay alive and figure out what happened. And it's got a really good story. And I think story is where shooters started to evolve into, right? Because, you know, you had Dark Forces, which was kind of a 
it's a pretty decent Star Wars story in there. And then you started to get Half-Life, and you started to get these games that were focusing more on giving you a really strong story as well as some interesting gameplay. And the next evolution of that, to, to, go, to, your, to go to your favorite of, of Left 4 Dead, is this whole notion of co-op play. Because I think there's been multiplayer in all this stuff that we've talked about, right? But it's always been for the most part, a very kind of solitary experience, right? So you need to rack up as many kills as you can in like a round. Whereas you think about something with Left 4 Dead, you better take care of everybody because if you don't, A, you're not going to get the achievement point for making sure that everybody survives to the end of the mission. But B, not a, like there is nobody that can pick up like the ultimate weapon and survive on their own. You absolutely have to all work together. And, and also I think it's time that, uh, you know, video game Designers are starting to understand that uh, nobody's actually leaving their house and making real friends. So, <laughs> so you make them so, online and you can talk. It's yeah, this, this way we, we can pretend that we have a community. And I, I was Don. This is uh, Don Taylor who's weighing in here. And uh, Don and I uh, a couple weeks ago, I guess maybe it was right around Christmas. You got left, your yeah. husband got you left for dead, and I had already just it had become just the biggest time suck. I mean, it was just. There was uh, we're talking to uh, Ricardo Torres from GameSpot, and then we went through this thing called Snowpocalypse here, where like nobody could leave their house for a week. It was just frozen in the ice; you couldn't leave the house. But fortunately, I had Left for Dead, and the uh, you know it's just like my you know my, my cable internet was still working, and you know it's fine. And I had pizza in the in the freezer, so I was set. And so I was doing the Left for Dead thing, and Don and I were talking about this, and I said that it is really I'm not going to say it's the first game to do it, but it's fascinating how. It, it, you know, you, you, when you do the online gaming, you're just that one guy who wants to be a jackass, you know, or he wants to, like, as you said, strike out on his own. He's hogging all the health or all the power-ups or all the guns. And the weird thing about Left 4 Dead is that, A, you just can't do that because if you're you like, go ahead, we'll see you in a couple minutes. Yeah, we'll, yeah. See, yeah, we'll see you, yeah, we'll see you dead and then we'll have to rescue you. You know, you have to re, 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 you know, reincarnate and we'll rescue you later. So, yeah, you can't do that. And also, that you do have this with, and I'm not the only person who's had this, this weird sense of like an actual sort of team bond in the game where when you there's a teammate, there's somebody who's getting attacked or they they got cut off and they're surrounded by zombies, it's like it is like your moral duty. You're like wading in with your gun like I must save my teammate. It's, the hunter drags one of them off by their long scary yeah. tongue and you're like no and you're you, running after them. Seriously and you get that full on Ripley in aliens thing where you're like, you know, in the power loader suit, it's the get away from her you bitch moment, you know, where you got it like he gotta go rescue Newt. And and I just, I've never played a game that, that created that instant feeling of actual solidarity like that. It's, it's strange. It would not surprise me if there are sort of papers written about it at some point in the future, that it is some sort of a tipping point for online actual community. Uh, a friend of mine, actually, my friend Keelan, uh, plays Left 4 Dead, and he said that, that like, the thing is that with other games, he'll be playing online, and when he gets tired, he just powers off the console and he's done. And he said that he actually feels terrible about it in Left 4 Dead if he's playing online with just strangers. He's like, because even though intellectually, you know that some other guy's going to come online to take your place. Like, I can't. I'm just leaving my teammate to die. I feel terrible. So he ends up playing forever because he doesn't want to, like, abandon his uh, his friends to the zombies. It's just a – it screws well, with your head. What's really interesting about it is it's really not something that you would expect for a first-person shooter because all the stuff that you've just described – that it really is something that you expect more out of like an MMO, mm -hmm. right, where everybody has to work together in quest. But nobody's – up until recently, nobody has really kind of started to scratch the surface at what's possible in a first-person shooter. I think Left 4 Dead's great. And if you like that, you, sh you might want to try Resistance 2 on the PS3 um, because that has a whole eight-player co-op thing. And very much like Left 4 Dead, which is really funny, right, because ultimately Left 4 Dead is only like a handful of chapters. But – 
you never have the same experience twice. You know, it depends with, you know, it, it depends on do you have good people, do you have bad people? Right. You know, how much reviving is happening, how much sharing is going on. You know who's actually hoarding all all the heels? Yeah, it really um, is. It's just it really is quite something just to see almost an exponential growth. Uh, you know, you in, know the, and, in the genre. And the 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 next step to that really was something like Resistance Two, where there's an actual leveling system, and you can pick specific classes. Like in Resistance Two, it's kind of like Team Fortress Two in a way because there's a healer, there's a tank, there's you know there's a, a spec ops who goes around and and helps everybody. And what you have are these classes where everybody needs to kind of pick a role and play it, like, really, really well. So just like in Left 4 Dead, all four people have to help each other out. You know, like a, a mage and a, a thief. and they, It's a uh, total it's a total Dungeons yeah, & Dragons acrobat. Yeah. No, Only, you know, it's more manly because it's a first-person right. shooter, right? Yeah, Dawn, it's more manly. It's not geeky at all. Well, you know, you know, it's, it's like playing like a weird first-person gauntlet. That's exactly what it's like. It's a first-person shooter gauntlet. That's what they need. Dude, they need to make a first-person shooter gauntlet. I'd buy that today. All right, somebody out there needs to make that. All right. Um, we've been talking to Ricardo Torres. He's the editor-in-chief at GameSpot.com. We will definitely have you back at some point in the very near future, my friend. Thank you for spending a few moments with us. Absolutely. Great right. chat. Thank you. There you go. That is Ricardo Torres, uh, editor-in-chief at GameSpot.com. Richie, can you talk to uh, him? Make sure we got his contact info. All right. Sarah, wake up. What? Sarah. For the love of God. Play it. Play it. Shiny, a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity. You know it's true. Why don't I go get some coffee and make you take a break? <laughs> e- right. Even my eyes were kind of glazed over there for a while. There was a point at which I was like, here's a blah, 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 Became a first-person sleeper? It's all, and I... And good thing you had a good, you know, solid 30 minutes to talk about that, Rick. Something that's really important to you. You know what? I know. You don't really see happy it. For I you. would love to actually spend a little time talking about Lost with Sarah, but do I get to do that? No. <gasps> Maybe we can talk about Lost on the other side of the break. Wait, there's so many things to do. Let's take a break now, shall we? All right. It's the Rick Emerson Program. Back after this. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970 if you would like to uh, join us. And uh, so forth. Back after this, don't go anywhere. And the funny thing is that has no end. I try to call you up at 2 a.m. In a crowded bar, your ringtones grab my mind. I can see you through the bum, the bum, the bum. And I'm wide awake at home, at home, at home. Sitting off in my head and hope you don't catch the bourbon on my breath, my breath, my breath. Catch a cab outside on 7th Street and the cars fly by through the battery and come to your door and I hear a moan. She's not alone, alone, alone And my heart seems like a stone, a stone, a stone And the tears won't even come I feel so numb, so swept aside So dumb, so dumb, so dumb When the words are wrong and my patience gone Will you tell me, does it mean you're moving on?
Rick Emerson radio program, the best damn thing you've ever heard. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. 503, by the way, I was watching this great documentary. I watched two fantastic documentaries this weekend. Back to back, uh, Laura and I sat there and we, uh, we made dinner and we watched uh, a documentary, took it out, put the other one in, watched it. We watched Helvetica, which was fan-freaking-tastic. Yeah. Oh, that is wonderful. That is a wonderful documentary. And you know, here's the thing. It is just what it claims to be. It's a 90-minute documentary about the Helvetica font. And not even like really is a microcosm. It really is just about that font, literally. And you'd think it would be like all wanky and navel-gazing. And really, it's not for the most part. It is just a discussion about fonts and how they're made and who made the Helvetica font. And it's freaking amazing. And then, of course, I started seeing it everywhere. Uh, and by the way, without even checking, I just knew in my soul that Helvetica would be the default font for everything on the MacBook. Sure enough, it is. The keys on the keyboard are Helvetica, and in fact, when you go to type something in a Mac document, it is Helvetica, because as they explain, it's the perfect font. Noticing fonts is, is weird, though, because once you like once you join the club of people who loathe, for example, uh, Comic Sans, oh, dude. Read, you see it every day, and then when you do see it, it just makes you angry. I have a, my friend Amanda uh, has this, uh, she does a site called BanComicSans.com. And she's a graphic designer. And she used to do, she was the lead graphic designer at OMSI for years and years. Like when you said, like the Moneyville exhibit or those big exhibits, like she was the one who'd sit there and like design the overarching theme of it. So she had a really great eye. And she had this whole thing. She's like, my children will live in a world where there is no Comic Sans. And it made her like viscerally angry. And I used to do everything in Comic Sans because I was a retard and didn't know any better. <laughs> uh, but then I swear to God, I watched the documentary and then I go to take a shower later and I pick up my shampoo. Helvetica, and I'm like, damn right, I'll scrub my, I'll scrub my scalp with pride. So I watched that, and then I watched Monster Camp, which is a documentary about LARPers, uh, these sort of live-action role-playing guys, where they will go to a state park for the weekend, and they will do a two-day Dungeons & Dragons game like in real life. And some of them dress up as monsters, and some of them dress up as witches, and some of them, and there's a guy who's there like calculating the hit points and whatever, and they're acting it all out in real life for two days. Not surprisingly, several of the guys come from Portland. Also, the guy who produced it's going to be at the Oscar Night America thing, so that's great. Um, what was my point? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, but at one point, I heard the voice in my head, because on the screen they were talking about, you know, many LARPers are also World of Warcraft players. And then it said on the screen... World of Warcraft is a massively multiplayer online role-playing game in which you join a guild, which is the sample text that I always use to do the voice of that guy from Fry's, who is voice 3. World of Warcraft is a massively multiplayer online role-playing game in which you can join a guild and fight monsters. That's what I always say. So that I saw it on the screen, and it's like I heard the voice play in my head. It was the weirdest thing. And was it on screen in Helvetica? Because that would have tied it all together. No, no, it was not. But uh, good callback, Don Taylor. All right. Uh, so here's the thing. We got about 15 minutes here. Don Taylor is here, uh, one of our favorite people in the whole wide world. We've got some news we could do. We've got this top five that's been sitting around literally. I mean, it's got mold on it now. We got two top fives been sitting for like a year. So I've I mean, got my amazing email that I'll never. I'll have to get. We got that from you off the air. We yeah. We have this uh, this email uh, that Don was going to read, uh, which is great. Um, but then during the break. You tell me, you stop me, and you know who you are in this room. You stop me if I if I start to uh, say something I shouldn't. Someone in this room, though, during the break, was asking the other people in the room what to do about an acquaintance whose body odor offends and who needs to use deodorant, antiperspirant, or, you know, soap, and just get, get rid of that funk. And uh, so the other two, Sarah and I, were saying, well, I don't know, how can we help you uh, speak to this friend? And the other two, Sarah and I. Yeah. Well, and then Sarah said, <laughs> "Way to go, Rick." Well, no, and then, wait, because look, and then Sarah said, "Well, look, you know, there's somebody I know that needs to do something about a certain something." 
And so then, Sarah, it was like within moments it crystallized. An exciting uh, new Rick Emerson show bit. We did it. Oh, we never have a drum roll. So do we have the music for this? I couldn't find anything. I was trying to find something instrumental. Uh, well, do you want me to, 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 to just punt and find something over here? I have this. <laughs> what is this? It's Mariah Carey, Hero. <laughs> is this a karaoke version? Yes. <clears throat> is this going to be our music for this for today? I don't think so, but I couldn't find anything. I found this other thing, but it was like kind of synth poppy and All right. a little too aggressive. Well, you know what? We'll just uh, well, aggressive may work with this. Band. No, I think it'll distract too much. Uh, this will uh, maybe this will be the standard. This will be the temp music, like the scratch track. This will be our ad hoc music. music. It will uh, it, it will balance it out. <laughs> and by the way, I don't think I have anything to contribute to this. Uh, maybe we can have. The, we haven't had a lot of callers on lately. I bet the, we should totally like. Maybe just Dawn and my. It's hard to imagine why we don't have time for calls when we're spending 30 minutes reading Dawn's dog's uh, Twitter entry. People are sitting on hold for like, this guy, he's been on hold for like an hour to talk about Jeffrey Dahmer. Still sitting there. Why? Because we're playing Mariah Carey songs. All right, so this is the birth of an exciting new Rick Emerson segment. There'll be two sections to this today because I, I don't have anything for this. It's called You Know Who You Are. Uh, we'll start with Sarah, who I think has a clearer, maybe, uh, vision for this segment. I don't know if it was my vision, it was just. It okay. all came together at once. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, the Rick Emerson Show presents the inaugural installment of You Know Who You Are. You. You know who you are. I've seen you recently. You've grown a horrible, horrible, horrible mustache. You're a good-looking guy. You don't need it. You don't need... And plus, you know, you've been trying to grow it you know, for like six months now, and it shouldn't be as patchy still as it is. Honestly, you're good looking. That thing, I don't know if you're like trying to make an image from having the mustache. Everyone thinks it. You need to get better friends because they need to tell you to shave that thing off because that is mean of them to have you keep it on your face. You're good looking boy. Shave your mustache off. You know who you are. Would you say that this person, who knows who they are, would you say that this mustache makes them look like some sort of a low rent Frenchman? Well, my friend, uh, I had a. My friend, let's see, let's call him uh, Rick Emerson, might have said that. Yes. Yes, Rick Emerson. And Rick might have... Emerson, do you also agree? I agree that it looks like he's just taken. Um, it looks like he's just taken some like uh, whiskery things off a broom and just sort of jabbed them onto his face. And or... he's a good-looking guy. Like yeah. I don't know why he's mucking it up, but you know who you are. Shave off the damn mustache. You've proven your point. All right, there you go. Uh, and now with installment number two of "You Know Who You Are," Don Taylor. You know who you are, and you know I love you, but dude. You need to wear deodorant. I mean, you're a nice guy, a good-looking guy. You're, you're a pleasant person to be around, except for when you throw your arms up in the air. I back away in horror. If it's a thing about, like, not wanting to put aluminum chlorhydrate on yourself to get Alzheimer's or something, just use deodorant. Don't use antiperspirant. I would tell your wife about this and ask her to speak to you, but I know she'll just tell you, Dawn says you need to wear deodorant, and then you'll be sad and your feelings will be hurt. So I don't know how to deal with this. But dude, you know who you are. Wear deodorant. Excellent. There we go. I think that's a smashing success. Well done, Sarah and Dawn. All right. I feel a little better. I do too. No, do you see? I mean, do you feel cleansing. cathartic. It Excellent. is. It All right. Good. I feel like this is something that the listeners could uh, begin contributing to at some point. Oh no, I, I firmly believe that they should. All this right. shouldn't just be a tool for us. This should be a tool for everybody. No, and we're everybody's tool, Sarah. And we can, uh, you know, we can be via email. It can be over the phone. It can be whatever. All right. Uh, let's just get a couple of these, and then uh, I don't know. If, do we have another break? We got to get here. Yeah. All right, and we'll come back. We'll do some final thoughts with Don Taylor. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. What's up? Hey, Rick, how you 
Uh, how are you, sir? You were talking about that uh, role-playing thing. Uh, well, it's a live action role playing, LARPing. I, I believe okay. it's like these guys who go to the park and they act out a D and D game. Yeah. Well, interestingly, they had that on a show called Recreation Nation uh, the other day. But also interestingly, on the same show, they have different cities that are doing zombie walks now. Yeah, well, they do that here in Portland. Although I think this year it was a little more restrictive because I think they were frightening children last time and they were told not to do that anymore. You've done horns across the Hawthorne. We need to do the zombie walk across the Hawthorne and go for the world record. That's well, we about thirty-two hundred people. Uh, I do this. Uh, I do this show, Outlook Portland, uh, on on the CW, which is uh, this, like sort of uh, you know a look at Portland culture thing, and we had. Uh, uh, Blanca Garcia Rinder, who is the woman who coordinates the zombie walk, and it's like increasing exponentially every year. There is more and more, and I think they are trying to go for some sort of a record. But I, I think their whole thing, like I think the two years ago, they just went to the malls and they just rolled the escalators up and down like Monroeville Mall style. And yeah, I think that was when, do. like, there was a child who was like, and, and they got told like, you can't, like, don't screw with, you know, don't do that anymore. Well, so uh, on on the show, they showed what they do. I guess that's a common problem. So they get everybody together and they make an announcement. If you know, leave people alone. Don't be afraid. These are not real zombies. Well, you know, it doesn't matter. If you got 3,000 people coming at you looking like zombies, it's going to scare some people. Yeah, and then you get all crumped. Yeah, you don't want to so do that. So anyway, but the current record's in Cincinnati. Now, Cincinnati's a stupid place to have a record like of any kind. People, but Cincinnati shouldn't have a record in anything but sucking. I mean, seriously, and, come on. And, and Portland has to be able to beat Cincinnati, all for right. God's sake. I'm on it, sir. Thank you. Okay. All right, there you go. Take a break. Come back after this. Don Taylor actually has DVD news after a fashion. Okay. All right. Come back after this with Don Taylor from Film.com. Uh, like is a three. Michael Mara show at seven. Phil Hendry at eleven. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson show. Don't go anywhere. Ahead of Will Wheaton and apples. Apples. <laughs> As soon as I said that, I knew that was going to be the result. That's a little call and response right there. All right. Hello, Don Taylor. Hello. What's going on in the world of DVD, Don Taylor, who writes for Film.com? Well, uh, today uh, is the day that many DVDs treat, including um, Body of Lies, starring Russell Crowe and Leonardo DiCaprio, which I don't really recommend. I didn't really enjoy it that much. High School Musical 3, if you're into that sort of thing. Changeling, which uh, is the uh, Clint Eastwood film. I did not. But Me the film that is actually out on DVD today that I would like to recommend to, to listeners is called Alien Raiders. And uh, it's uh, released on, uh, I believe, Warner Brothers' uh, raw feed genre, which uh, released Rest Stop. So that's going to be their sort of their B-movie division. And it's a very clever, very tidy little little movie about it's basically a bunch of people in a supermarket some what appear to be thugs or criminals come bursting into the supermarket with shotguns and it looks like it's going to be some kind of a robbery until they start grabbing them by the heads and scanning them because they're looking for aliens they are actually alien hunters who have come to earth to seek out aliens fantastic uh it has a really terrific cast uh carlos bernard who is a uh, regular on 24 he's in it fellow named matthew st patrick from six feet under there's another actor if i can find his name whose name i just adore but i've i've misplaced it there he's he's got one of those sort of insane insane i can't find the thing but anyway it's um it's it, it's everything that you would want from a low budget movie about 
alien hunters. It's the kind of thing that you see the sci-fi channel commercials for, and you go, that looks good, and it never ever Raptor is. Raptor planet. So, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's about alien hunters looking for the king alien because they got to knock out the king alien so they can stop the infestation of aliens. And uh, it's got uh, shotguns and supermarkets and uh, screaming and barricaded doors and all the things that uh, you would want from Everything a growing boy needs. Exactly. Fantastic. And that is called Alien Raiders, and it is on DVD today. Genius. All right, Don Taylor. All oh, right. Rockmond Dunbar is the name of the actor who said it. Rockmond Dunbar. Rockmond Dunbar. That's fantastic a name. name. Excellent. Yes. All right. Hey, we got to read. You know, we didn't talk about Richie going to some rave, and I don't know anything about it. The twenty-two-year-old girl. Well, there's nothing. I mean, no, that... I mean, no. And he's just like, but every time he'd bring it up at bowling, I say, like, yeah, and I'm just doing it, you know, to show you guys that I'm not gay. Oh, seriously, you know, let me just say this real quickly, because we're going to Darcell's, I think, uh, this weekend. Richie's like, I'm bringing three hot girls. Which is sort of like... Uh, the last thing I want to do is spend time with Richie at something that could be fun with a bunch of, you know, drunken sluts. Well, and well, I should save my other observation. Uh, tomorrow? Yes. Yeah, I have to talk about I think if you're actually worried about whether or not think people think you're gay, maybe you shouldn't be a drag performer. Otherwise, it's like, yeah, whatever. Just let it go. I can't, uh, I can't possibly improve on that. That was like a, that was like a Jack Handy deep thought, but that actually made sense and was useful. Well done. Thank you. All right, that should be your, uh, that's your final Twitter entry for the day there. All right, uh, we want to thank Cena Radio correspondent Steve Kasim, I'm Lisa Desjardins, Don Taylor, Mike Nelson, and from Gamespot.com, Ricardo Torres. Join us tomorrow when our guest will include Dave Schmidtke, ladies and gentlemen. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day with the lovely and talented Sarah Stillman for AM 970. The talker in the newsroom, Don Taylor, Punch Richard Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave's in. Do the rest of your head. See you all tomorrow and. Goodbye now. Where's my shiny? Do it. Oh, for the love of. She is a typical white. Person. Tom!